What episode is this? It's 12. All right. We're going to go with 12. Episode 12 of A Sip with the Dudes. Uh, missing Austin Pace, but this episode is going to be very near and dear to my heart because we replaced Austin Pace with another Austin. My boy Austin Zeitler is here. The ATL man, the Bravo, the Dirty Bird, the Hawk, whatever you want it. He's got it. Bumping little baby with his windows down all the time. Ooh. And, of course, we're here with my boy, Dalton Cohey. I know him as Bubba. Man, it's been a, it's been a good two weeks of, of sports. Unfortunately, we missed, uh, missed that one week with all of us being out. Pace is sick, probably laying in bed, back and forth from the bathroom right now. So we had to leave him off of this one. But nonetheless, we are here, and we got our first guest. I'll probably refer to him as Z the whole time. So if I say Z, just know that that's who I'm talking to. Anything you guys want to say before we hop into it? No, I'm ready to rock and roll. I do want to let the fans know uh, I'm not sick. I'm not uh, – I don't have COVID or anything. Voice is a little choppy. I was in Stark Vegas when the Crimson Tide decided to beat out of a dead horse. So my uh, my voice is a little absent today. Z, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, guys, uh, Austin Zeitler. I know Joe from uh, playing a little college ball with him. Like you said, I'm from Atlanta, big Atlanta sports fan, and I'm uh, just happy to be on here and help the boys out. All right, first up, dudes, we're going to discuss the MLB. Uh, it's crunch time. You know, we're down to the NLCS and ALCS. Uh, lucky for us, timing lined up right. Our boy Z here got to tag along with the Braves. And I also want to throw, before I let him give his experience out, we're going to start with that. Uh, I do think Braves or the Braves caused Austin Pace the stomach bug. Because I just want to throw <laughs> that out there that Pace got a little sick after I saw it in his eyes that Bellinger just hit a three-run bomb, uh, tied it up, and the Braves ended up falling six to five. And then yes, game three that we just watched. Uh, I know we like to give you all little live updates as the games go on. So it is Tuesday night. That game just finished. I feel bad for Pace, especially being sick and having to see that happen. Uh, Braves were just five outs away from going up 3-0. And, uh, you know, that one could could cost them. But, like I said, we got a guy who experienced firsthand NLDS in Atlanta. So I'm going to throw it over to our guest, Z, and uh, let him walk you all through, you know, what that what that postseason baseball is like in person. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 definitely something special. It's definitely you get your money's worth. Um, I was there in game uh, three in, or the last two in Atlanta. I was there in the day game. That one was a little different. You know, people were, you know, walking in a little late, but it was just still an unbelievable atmosphere. You're not sitting down much. And then the night game was even crazier. You got Freeman ending it, giving us the lead late with the home runoff hater and the place just erupts. I mean, the tomahawk chops coming down like no other. I mean, it's just an unbelievable experience. And, you know, I'm just trying to save a little coin, get back out there again. Uh, we we haven't had a show in, since my White Sox have been eliminated. Um, 
I hate the Astros. They're cheaters, but wow, they have a fantastic lineup, whether they're banging on trash cans or not. It's hard to work around that. I mean, eight out of nine spots are, can hit a home run at any time and knock it out of the park. But I do like to see the Astros getting molly whopped by, by the Red Sox. I know that they – what are they tied right now, 2-2? Two, two. Yeah, 2 um, just tied it up with a bomb. But, yeah, I mean – and Kike Hernandez. Let's just talk about him for a second. Unbelievable. I mean, the guy's seeing a beach ball in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just – he's fun to watch, you know, regardless of, of the of what's going on around him, whatever the circumstances are. He always shows up in the big moments. And uh, he kind of reminds me a little – I mean – this is bad to say. He reminds me of a guy who was a rookie last year, but Randy Rosarina in the playoffs last year was just absolutely unbelievable. And I'm kind of getting the same vibes from Kiki this year. What do you guys think? Yeah, bro. He's just – like you said, he's popping off. He's seeing a beach ball. It's it's looking like it's a wiffle ball in the backyard for him. And another thing with the Red Sox, dude, is they're just – they're having fun with it. And Fenway's rocking. And I saw a stat today where they've only played three, or nine postseason games – and they just set the franchise record with Xander's bomb, and they have 21 bombs in nine postseason games. So they're winning games, they're hitting, and they're doing it the fun way and giving the fans the long ball. And I want to jump back to Z talking about his experience at the Braves game. Me and Pace were talking. The Dodgers, is it's so sad how stacked they are and how the stadium just sits down almost the entire game. Because mm-hmm. we were talking about if I, if I had the money to somehow – go to L.A. and go to a playoff game, you know, somebody would have to tell me to sit down just because of the experience. And we were watching it, man. It sucked because, you know, they did get something to cheer for in the eighth. But before that, I mean, they sat down from the first inning until after the bets walk and the bomb. That was the last time they stood up until the eighth inning. And they got up for the seventh inning stretch and then the eighth inning home run, and that was it. And they got up when Jansen closed it out, obviously. I just wanted y'all's thoughts on that, too. I feel like L.A. is the only one because I hate Houston, but Houston's been rocking when they're there. And Fenway is on a whole different level, in my opinion, just because it's Fenway. And then, like Z said, in Atlanta, you know, it was it was crazy the whole time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was watching the game, you could see um, on TV just panning around the stadium and there were empty seats, which is kind of understandable in L.A. with it being a 2 p.m. start it's tough to get there on a Tuesday and then you do have the Lakers opening up tonight right now but then I mean you six inning you got people leaving the stadium in a playoff game when you're down 2-0 just giving up which I mean I'm not gonna really like to say anything respectful about the Dodgers but I mean that's a team that definitely never out of it they're a they're one swing away from being back in any ball game so I just thought that was I think just L.A. fans are just different and just especially different between, like, Braves fans. Just not being such a huge market, I think, really plays a role there. Yeah, I think the – like the kind of like you're saying, it's L.A., so, you, you know, the tourists and the just the filthy rich people that aren't diehard baseball fans going to games just to be able to post on their social media, you know, that they were at Dodger Stadium for a big game. Mm-hmm. But it – I don't know. It just blows my mind, I guess, because I am a big baseball fan. You know, I like the atmosphere and just the fact of how stacked they are, too. And, you know, winning 100-something games and now they get to the playoffs. And I almost feel bad for, like, Mookie. I I love Mookie. I hate the Dodgers, but I do love Mookie Betts. And I don't know. I just can't see – I don't see why people would like to go play for that when they – 
you know, they see that on a NLCS game three, you need it. And I mean, I guess now in hindsight, people are going to think, oh, the stadium went crazy just mm-hmm. because the highlight's going to be Bellinger's home run. And yeah, it went crazy, but it just doesn't compare to third inning down one and the Red Sox get a big strikeout, the place goes nuts and they're losing. And, you know, even when they were chipping away and stuff, that didn't really erupt until Belly, you know, ended up spinning that ball out of the park. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's got to be different for Mookie coming from Fenway, which, I mean, let's not act like there's anything like Fenway. It's pro- it's the most storied park in, in baseball. And, I mean, Red Sox fans are just – they're gonna they're gonna cuss you every second. I'm not saying that they're better than any fan base, but they're definitely there when it's time for them to to be loud and and show up with their four leaf clovers and whatnot. And I think that that's just that's us three especially. We're gonna want all three of us being baseball players. We're gonna want fans to be more active in it because I mean, high school, college, JUCO, all three of us have have been kind of on those stages, and you you know the feeling that you have whenever there's more than a hundred people in the stands or surrounding the fences. It's just, it's a different feeling that makes you love it even more. And on top of that, I feel like baseball is an East coast sport. I mean, the Dodgers and the giants, they were in Brooklyn before, you know, they moved out there, which of course that was with expansion West. I'm not going to give a history lesson right now, but uh, I think that baseball has just always kind of been embedded in, in East coast history. And I think that's probably why we take it more seriously than others. Yeah, and I think I wanted to bash the Dodgers as well. It's kind of why I brought that up, just because I don't like the Dodgers. But the last thing I'll say about it is we were talking about, me and Pace were discussing how, you know, it's L.A., it's out there in Cali. But, like, San Francisco, when they go on their runs, their stadium's rocking. That's true. So I do, uh, yeah, that's true. And, when you know, when they flash the camera around, you can tell some of the people at the games in L.A. don't. You know, they're not necessarily baseball people, but – they got the gold rolly on. They got the chain on. They have enough money to be able to just casually say, you know what, I'm going to go to this uh, Tuesday NLCS game three just because I want to go and let people know, you know, my social status. I can get in. I'm there. So or we honestly, got my boy Z trying to save some coin to go to the World Series, huh? Oh, yeah, it's honestly fuck the Dodgers. Honestly, <laughs> fuck them, dude. We had to bash. We had to hop on them just for beating the Braves like that. I I do want to say one more thing before we end our MLB sentiment because I'm, I'm guessing y'all don't have anything else to say. If y'all do, y'all can say after this. But me and Kohe especially got to show Austin Riley. I know Z's a Braves fan, so he's going to love it as much. But, man, I mean, the guy's going to be MVP one day. He Maybe he has to say some more things on Twitter to get a little bit more notoriety. But yeah. that dude can absolutely swing it and made some really big plays at third uh, throughout the, the playoffs so far, too. So, Z, I want to hear your thoughts from a I mean, unbiased a, uh, Braves fan. Yeah, unbiased. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be completely honest, I was never – I was not sold on Austin Riley at the start of the year. I thought Camargo should have had a shot. And obviously, looking back, that was just a terrible thought process because Camargo can't hit a ball to save his life. But, I mean, you, I've even seen some stuff just from Braves beat reporters saying – they asked Ron Washington, who's the best, of, who's the most improved defender, and he says Austin Riley. And then you ask the hitting coach, and he's like, who's the most improved hitter, and you get Austin Riley. So, I mean, and it's definitely shown the work he's put in. It's just, I mean, you're in, we're in the Braves Stadium in the playoffs, and every time he steps up to the plate, just MVP chances start raining down. I mean, it's just something, what he's doing is special, and 
even he's not really a loud guy, but I'll tell you what, if, if Jock Peterson sticks around, you may you may start hearing Austin Riley talk a little more because Jock will loosen everybody up. I want to say is uh, I think his offensive aggression's coming because uh, Austin Riley having to uh, suit up during deer season. And I think the big fella is a little pissed off, so he's just deciding to punish every baseball that gets thrown down the hall of the plate because that guy, I just want to ask that little insight is from not necessarily knowing him personally, but I do know his brother fairly well, played golf with him several times and had a few drinks with him. And, man, all he talks about is Riley hunting, fishing, mainly hunting. But he did give me a little story that uh, Austin Riley's first big check, which is going to be very big now that he's had this season, uh, plans on buying 10,000 acre in Kentucky hunting land farm. So this is first go to. So I think the guy's locked in. I think he's ready to, if he can go world series sweep and get home a little bit quicker in the tree stand, I think he'll be happy. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I want to say his first big sponsor that was like non-baseball related was team real tree or mossy oak or something. I remember whenever he made his debut, he showed up in like camo and costas. Yeah. Zach for sure. Me. A Mississippi guy. Zach told me he got a $10,000 gift card to the Bass Pro Pyramid. <laughs> we're back with NFL after missing a week, but we're going to hit you with what happened last week. We're going to start off with the Thursday game, the Bucks and Eagles. And I cannot tell you how big this game was for my fantasy team. Had Jalen Hurts, he got in the end zone two times rushing, once passing, only threw for 115 yards. That doesn't matter because touchdowns give me points. Also had Leonard Fournette with two rushing touchdowns and Antonio Brown with a, with a receiving touchdown. So that was just – I mean, that was just huge for, for the G-ster. But fantasy aside, game was a really good one to watch. Bucks come back and win it. Well, well, they didn't really have to come back. The Eagles almost came back. And when they finally sniff a comeback, Tom Brady does what he does, and he ends it. And uh, Bubba apparently is very upset with old Tom Brady. I don't know if he kissed uh, his son on TV and Bubba saw it and got mad or what, but I guess he's going to let us know. Tom Brady just can't cover. He can't cover primetime games and point the spread with seven. He has to win 28-22 somehow. Just a stupid-ass score as it is. Honestly, you know, if he's gonna, if he's not gonna cover, he needs to just lose the football game because everyone knows I hate Tom Brady. Great, great for G's fantasy team. Not great for my, uh, my wallet. Z, anything on that game? No, nah, man, I don't got much on that game. But just to hit on Kohe's point, I mean, good teams win, but great teams cover. Right. So they're obviously just not a great team. Horrible football team. Next up, we got the old Miami Dolphins. And the Jacksonville Jaguars over uh, across the pond in London. Trevor Lawrence finally gets his first dub in the old National Football League. He was undefeated in high school, undefeated in regular season in college, and he was defeated in regular season in the NFL. But he finally gets the first win. A pretty good performance. Two played for the Dolphins. Got Jalen Waddle elevating him to my flex this week after a, after a pretty good performance. Anything you guys got on that game, on the London game? Two ain't it. I don't think two is it. I thought he was great in college. I was a big two supporter um, when he came out. 
One thing, he's he's a little injury prone, which is the worst word you can have flying around for a quarterback in the NFL. But I, he just can't get it done, and I don't think it helps that, you know, the Deshaun Watson rumors have been flying around with the Dolphins. A lot of Dolphins fans think it's coaching, but I just think he's not it. I mean, he's the only quarterback that wasn't picked as a captain in the NFL, and that's picked by the players. So I think there's just a leadership problem there, and I just think not everyone's bought into Tua. And I think that may be a problem for Miami. I mean, if you're going to tell me Miami was 1-5 and five right now, I would have bet the house that they wouldn't have been. Oh, I yeah. can't see. I wish Pace was here because I'm sure he'd dispute that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. uh, I can't argue with the with those statistics right there, man. He loves him some Tua, and I, I'm kind of the same as Z. I was on board praying, like, I really wanted Tua to succeed, uh, you know, not even for the reason he went to Miami. You know, wherever he went, I was rooting for Tua. I was on the Tua train. Uh as far as these these Sunday morning games are dangerous. You roll over bed, grab the remote if you can find it, rough Saturday night, and you got football on. You got to set your fantasy a little earlier. They're tricky. But uh, how about Urban Meyer just getting, getting out there, getting over that little speed bump, getting him some little young action, a little blondie, and now he's on the wind column. You know, I'm, I'm starting to lean towards these rumors that, you know, maybe his wife said, honey, you're 0-5. I need you to get out there. I need you to get out there and find you, find the reins. Grab the bull by the horn to get after it. And now he goes overseas. Who knows what he's doing over there? And now he's on the wind column. <laughs> so, good for Urban Meyer. Good for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, good for the Jags. Like like Z said, Dolphins one and five is – I mean, Deshaun Watson has – I mean, he has like about a – the same amount of charges as Dolphins. Dolphins had 20 points, and Deshaun's got about 20 cases with women, and the Dolphins are at this point saying, we got, we, we need it. <laughs> so, I'm sorry uh, for the program. You know, it sucks, but we, we, we might have to go to Deshaun Watson. So, I don't know. I could see I could see the Dolphins kind of turning into a Miami-type team, the old Miami U, and – they're going to have this guy trying to beat cases, and I feel like Deshaun might come out and just turn up a little bit and carry the Dolphins to a few more wins than Tua would. So might be a bad look, but, hey, everyone everyone that knows me personally knows it's it's all about winning. So until Deshaun's off the field deal, you know, he, he needs to handle that. But if he can win me a football game, let's get after it. Wow. What, what a statement Ooh, from Cody. Awesome. <laughs> Also, want to throw out how perfectly did it happen for Urban Meyer, all that, and then all of a sudden John Gruden just takes over social media and everyone forgets Urban Meyer was a horrible human being. So now the the dark, the bad Urban Meyer, you know, video and all that is out of everyone's memory. Then you have Gruden take over social media and you know the horrible emails and everything he's doing. And now your new memory of Urban Meyer is, oh, Urban Meyer's got a win in the NFL. So I think Urban Meyer's, I think he's a wizard or some sort, but he he played this perfect. That was a hell of a hell of a segment there, Cohe. Wow. <laughs> and if, I hope Deshaun Watson just starts turning it up. That was just a hot take, right? There. <laughs> he's not uh, going to go one in five in six games at Miami. I don't think he's not going to be worse. Know. Than That's probably true. Hell no. He might go one and six in the cases, though. <laughs> one and 20. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to win from jail, but 
if he can win, if he can get, if he can stay on that field, he's gonna he's gonna win more than one out of six games. Next up, we got the old OT thriller of the Vikings and the Panthers. I really don't have anything on this one. I'm not gonna lie to to the listeners and tell you that I watched it. Um, I was busy watching other games, so. Y'all got anything on the Vikings-Panthers game? Did y'all enjoy it thoroughly or anything like that? Yeah, I hate that you didn't watch it because 12 o'clock kickoff, my money was elsewhere. And honestly, it was probably the one of the better games. Obviously, it went to overtime. But, yeah, I'm the same exact way. I didn't watch a single lick of it. I was just keeping up with it. I think I was keeping up with, I believe the Packers were 12 o'clock. And I think I needed the Packers by a certain amount. Uh, Bengals were a blowout, but I still needed that. So I was – my eyes were elsewhere. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't follow that. I'm sorry. Z, Z you going to save us? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Carolina's obviously just a bunch of frauds. They start out 3-0, and but, I mean, they beat the Jets. They beat the sorry-ass Saints. Hey, chill, come on. And, <laughs> and oh. then they oh, – <laughs> And then they beat the Texans. I mean, that's the three easiest games you could probably get. Come on, but I now. do think the main no nah, the the Saints are just the they're just in who knows what's going on over there. But I think the only problem with Carolina is you can't have Sam Darnold throwing the ball forty one times and only having seventeen completions. I mean, you got. I mean, I know McCaffrey's hurt, but you got to find a way to mix the run in there and just give the defense a different look to a little more play action boots or something like that. But whatever they got going over there, it ain't working. Yeah, I think that was the nail in the coffin right there, that sentence where he said, I know McCaffrey's out. Uh, I think that's – I think, the fan, like I said, they have three chump-ass wins, and now I think they're about to just get harsh, exposed uh, for the rest of the season, honestly. Next up, we got the old Chargers and Ravens. And I'm not going to lie, guys, this was a really surprising game to me. I was expecting a good old Justin Herbert to go out there and put on a show and him and Lamar battle it out for four quarters. But this Ravens team, they are really good. Uh, I would not be surprised at all to see them in the Super Bowl, and I sure wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson hosting that Lombardi trophy up at the end of the year. At least if they if they stay the course that they are right now, I think Lamar is in, probably in my top three MVP, in the at least in the discussion right now. Um, they can play man. That defense is something serious. Obviously, if you're holding the Chargers to six points, you know that you're something serious. So I'm sure Z has something on that one. I don't know if Bubba does. Y'all go ahead. No man. I mean, uh, obviously didn't think that outcome was going to happen. I personally. Had a little bit of coin on the Chargers and Justin Herbert, but uh, that Baltimore defense is for real. Lamar's for real. And um, I think just the fact that Harbaugh trusts him so much, it's just you can see it. I mean, even back to that Chiefs game early on when they went for it on fourth down, I mean, you got Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, you're always going to be in the game. But um, I think that game early was a little weird that the Chargers went for it on fourth fourth down on their own side of the field a couple times that kind of set them back but I think if that game's in LA it's a little different outcome possibly or even a little bit closer but Baltimore's just that good yeah I think I'm on the I'm on the same side as him and the right the Ravens are for real they're uh, I mean I feel like this was one of those uh kind of week after week I was 
not necessarily that saying they weren't for real, but it was kind of like, you know, when am I really going to buy stock in the Ravens? And I'm fully, I'm fully sold on them. I think they're the real deal. Uh, and Lamar, I mean, Lamar had one touchdown and two picks and they went 34. So when he is electric, as we saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago on, I believe it was Monday night football, not Thursday night, but he, you know, he has the ability to just go off at any moment. He's so fast and so elusive, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking the Ravens are for real, and I, I kind of like it. I like the, like you said, the connection with Lamar, and you know, to have a connection like that with your head coach in the NFL, like he's not a kid anymore. These are two grown men that are just, you know, I know you got me, and I got you, and it's kind of, it's, it's fun to watch. So, I'm on the Ravens, and as far as you talking about MVP, uh, I think right now is a good time to get him. I saw he's at plus thirteen hundred, and as far as I think in the race thing, he's like number six or seven right now. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is, you know, his passing numbers aren't, you know, they're not crazy numbers. Like, nope, not not biased here. Just saying, he's not throwing up Dak four hundred yard games. Yeah, and you know, we all know MVP, Heisman, any type of single individual award like that is always about the numbers. So, I think that's the only thing that could hold Lamar back, and you know, the other dual guys not too bad either, Kyler Murray. So, that's true. Yeah, one more thing on that. Speaking of, if you're looking to make a little future MVP bet, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you not to throw a little money on Derrick Henry. Let's go. That was when you started that sentence. It had to be. That was the only name I was going to let say <laughs> Z. And that's right. You got to, dude. I just texted my you guy. Got to. I texted my guy today, and it's at plus three thousand. I swear to God, I'm so. Y'all saw the tweet this week. Let's just go. Oh, we can't play. Played Monday. We'll 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 save that game, but. Just know that yes, that's a the values there in that bet. It's a very good pick. Yes, the logic's there, the values there. I mean, at plus three thousand, you can literally throw yourself ten dollars on it to win three hundred. Like, mm-hmm. don't grab Taco Bell one night and save the ten bucks, put it on Derek Henry, and let him catch where he. I'm so with that. When you started that sentence, I was praying that you said. All right, we got a big old agreement right there. So that's that's big time. Next, we got the Rams and the Giants. Um, I don't, I don't have too much on this one. It's kind of the same story. Matthew Stafford looking really good in that Rams blue. Uh, Giants. I mean, we know what the Giants are this year. Daniel Jones threw that bitch fifty-one times, three picks. I mean, he's just got to be miserable on Mondays. He's got to be. He's got to be sick, but. I'm kind of like you. The Rams, the Rams are a good football team. The Giants were a bad one. I think this was a pretty, uh, pretty easy, predictable games, and I don't think NFL comes that easy. And this one was just, I don't know. It was one of those that you looked and you just knew. Rams also scored 28 in the second quarter. So, Giants just uh, not not a good situation going on there. Yeah, Giants suck. Rams are good, and. Uh... Don't be surprised if uh, Joe Judge is the first coach fired. You can't coach how he coaches all hard-nosed, making grown men run laps at practice, and you can't win football games. Unless you guys have something crazy. I know Carson Wentz won uh, Offensive Player of the Week in the NFL this week. Um, Colts beat the Texans 31-3. I mean, these aren't two contenders, in my opinion. Uh, Texans are bad. Colts are a little bit better, obviously. Um but I, mean, I don't know, man. I disagree. Think Colts are a contender. Shout out to my boy, Austin, man. These Colts, watch out for those Colts. The division's wide open. That defense is unbelievable. 
Carson Wentz is getting comfortable in the playbook, getting comfortable staying on the field. They could stay healthy, keep T.Y. out there. Watch out for the Colts. I just can't put stock in Wentz, man. I just can't do it. No, I like him. I like him as a sneaker, kind of like how he's saying, like they are a sneak, though. But I just – it goes back – to me, it goes back to Derrick Henry, to be honest. I just – I don't yeah. – And don't the Titans already have a head-to-head over the Colts? Um. Yeah, or – yeah, they do. But I, I do agree because – They lost week three. Yeah, what's scary with the Titans, like to take that – like we're like we're all praising and preaching Derrick Henry and – for the love of all things holy, he doesn't get hurt. But if Derrick Henry goes down, like, I don't know what the Titans record are, record is through six games. Like, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. can put that in a, you know, can put that in a nutshell and try to say what is, what is the, what are the Titans without Derrick Henry? And, you know, that's pretty scary in the NFL because these are grown men, best of the best coming at you. And yes, he is a freak of nature. Him getting injured by these midget DBs that he makes them seem to be is probably unlikely, but at the same time, I mean, Panthers go down without McCaffrey, and now we're seeing them get exposed. I just don't know if the Titans could – because he – another, like, the passing game opens up so much with him because of you have to have your eyes in the backfield or else he's going to go for 250 against you. So, like, he even opens up the passing game. So, even if he went out there, I think everyone drops, you know, seven or eight every play, and they're comfortable to stop the run without Derrick Henry. So, I don't know. The Titans – it would have to a lot would have to happen for the Colts to win it, in my opinion, just because of King Henry. But they can always sneak oh in as well. We got to take. A pause. Hmm? Yeah, that's very true. We got to take a pause. Uh, Astros four run ninth just that hit a three sucks. run double to make it six two. Wow, that's I sucks. sure would hate this. Uh, I sure would hate this over to hit somehow after it was two to two and eight. I'm just Man, watching sad. the Lakers. LeBron's still that dude. This dude is unbelievable. This dude is unbelievable. All right. But I don't know how this game's fucking close, though. So. I mean, he just hit another. I mean, breakaway dunk. He's hitting threes. I mean. I did pick up on my fantasy basketball team. So shout out to Dad Heads. He needs to trade for me. Steph Curry. That's it. Uh, Chiefs beat the football team 31 to 13. I don't think the story is the Chiefs winning here, though. All that anyone could talk about after this game, at least in the first half, was how they don't think Patrick Mahomes looks the same. And I know the record shows it. I know the game show it. In y'all's opinion, I want to ask this, like, seriously, does the film show it? Do y'all think Patrick Mahomes is looks different this year? Because that's all we're getting – you know, I've, I've heard it before with uh, LeBron in an early season or Tom Brady early in a season losing maybe a couple games in a row. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I just – I can't put my stock in the downfall of someone like Patrick Mahomes because I feel like he can always turn it around in a week and he's back to that same guy. And to be honest, I mean, I don't see the help. Like, I don't think the problem is with him. I think the problem is – with the Chiefs as a whole, uh, especially he's not getting any help on the defensive side, which, I mean, they held the football team to 13 points, but I think probably Alabama's defense could hold the football team to 13 points Um, or an XFL team since Heineke used to play 
XFL. I don't know. What do you guys think? Bro, I the comparison I have with them, and I said it earlier, and I don't think it's going to be near as extreme. Like, I'm kind of stuck with you in the phase that, you know, it's the Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's embedded in our mind, especially us being younger fans. Like, it's not like we saw the Chiefs in the 90s, you know, or even early 2000s. Like, we're embedded that the Chiefs are Patrick Mahomes and they can score 50 if they need to. But I compare them on the college football side to like a week five Clemson. So they lose, you know, they get upset in the Georgia and then they start squeaking by teams and everyone's just still like, oh, you know, it's Clemson, it's Dabo. DJ's supposed to be good. They just had Trevor Lawrence, you know, and each week it's they're supposed to be good. They're going to be back. They're going to bounce back. I'm pretty sure Clemson's still like 0-6 against the spread. They can't cover. They can't beat anyone like they're supposed to. And I don't know. I, I don't I don't think the Chiefs are going to be th- that extreme, like, you know, losing to really bad teams. Like they handle the football team reasonably for the NFL. But I do think their standards are going to come back a little bit more down to earth. Uh, you know, we were seeing a lot of double-digit spreads with the Chiefs in the NFL, which is just stupid, unheard of. You, you don't see that, like. The Colts, I think, were the only double-digit spread this past week, and they played the Texans. Like, the Chiefs were being double-digit 10-point favorites over, like, teams just because Patty Mahomes, you know, can score 50, like I said. But I don't know. I don't I don't think they're – and I don't think they're a bad football team. I think they're still going to, you know, find their way to the playoffs, and Patty's still going to be Patty. Uh, I'm not giving up on him. I'm kind of like you. I think I got to hold my, hold my ground in the stock market with Patrick Mahomes. But – yeah, that's my, my final take is that I think everyone's going to come a little bit more down to earth with the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you had to expect a little bit of a coming back to earth moment for Mahomes in particular. I mean, the dude's just been unreal since he took over in KC. But I think the defenses are just kind of figuring out what the Chiefs like to do. A lot of defenses are just playing too high safeties and just not letting you get behind them which the Chiefs are a huge are huge on just trying to beat you deep and just light a spark. But, I mean, they're still the Chiefs. They're still loaded. The defense is atrocious, which I think may have an effect on Mahomes and the offense because they can never just sustain a lead. It's always – they can go down and score, but then, I mean, you're, you can just easily drive on their defense. So I feel like that may have something to do with it. I mean, obviously – Washington football team only had 13 points, but I mean, they got Taylor Heineke at quarterback, no disrespect to the kid, but you know, he ain't the best guy out there, but I mean, I still think Mahomes is that dude. Even on tape, he looks like that dude. I mean, he's, I mean, he had a terrible interception last week when he was just falling to the ground and just threw it up to the sky. But I mean, they're still going to win a lot of football games for sure. All right. Next up, the story to me isn't as much the game it is the Packers and the Bears. I know it's a storied rivalry, and that's more of what I want to talk about instead of uh, the actual score of the game. Aaron Rodgers runs in, lets the Bears fans know that he still effing owns them, and he's owned them his whole career. Man, <laughs> that clip was so funny, man. And that, you know, after all this – this summer and all the uh, the stories around Aaron Rodgers with preseason camp and all that and retiring, it was just 
Like mm-hmm. we've talked about a couple of times is he's just showing that he still does care, but that was an a-hole move and I loved every second of it. Yeah, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is an asshole and we've known, you know, we've known that he played he's got a chip on his shoulder and the dude's a freaking winner and he's a dude and he's a shit-talking dude and I love him and that was awesome. And I think it all makes it better. What makes it all better is when they lost to the Saints and Jameis Winston. And now it's like, holy shit, like Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. And he's back discount double checking. And I just I, – I love him. I'm on the Green Bay train heavy. I've always kind of supported Green Bay back to my Mississippi State fandom. I think we got seven dogs on the Packers. So, uh, you know, that gives me another reason. And then, like I said, Aaron Rodgers, he's a, he's a dude. He's a dog. If you're a competitor – whether hate him or love him, especially the Bears, I know y'all hate him. He's a, he's a dude, and he goes out there and does his thing. And he didn't even have – I think he had less than 200 yards. Uh, I don't know the box score off the top of my head, but he uh, he just wins, man. He finds a way to win. And the fact that so many people don't like him, I think that kind of is a common thing in people I like. So people not liking him kind of draws me in, and I think that's why I like him so much. Yeah, man. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is that dude. I mean, he's done. He's he's got his swagger back, and watch out for the Packers because that defense looks a lot better too than it has in years past. Next up, we got the Bengals and Lions, the Battle of the Jungle Cats. I don't really have anything crazy on this one. Uh, Bubba hates Joe Burrow, but the kid's good. I like him a lot, and he just keeps proving that he's. I mean, he's here to stay on the NFL level to kick and play, and Jamar Chase. Him and Jamar Chase is going to be a duo that is going to be in the league for a long time, and I think they're going to be very competitive in the league for a long time. So, Bubba, any unbiased uh, Joe Burrow commentary? Well, I mean, him and Chase are so damn good. That connection is stupid. Like, it really is. Anytime he's got to find somebody, everyone sitting at home on on the couch, on in the recliner, whatever, everyone knows who it's going to. And can't stop it. No, and more than likely, it's it's gonna he's gonna convert. They're gonna get a new set of downs, and he's gonna throw the ball less than thirty five times, and they're gonna win some football games. And they don't found themselves to found a way to be four and two. And on the other side, the Lions suck. I think the Lions are true zero and six. And I don't know if y'all were here in the chirps, but like when they were zero and one, then zero and two, then zero and three, everybody was kind of like, you know, they're they're not they're just losing games. They're not. They're not an actual bad, bad team. And I don't know. After after watch I actually watched that game and I just scoring eleven in the fourth, you know, it was shut out till the fourth. I think I think the Lions are actually that bad. Yeah, the Lions suck. I mean, you got your coach crying at the press conference two weeks ago. But I mean one thing I'll say about the Lions is they may be on 0 and seventeen watch. Uh, looking at their schedule, I mean, they got – I mean, maybe they beat Denver at Denver but because Denver's also a bunch of frauds. And, I mean, they always seem to beat the Falcons, but we fucking suck too. So, But if if they come to Atlanta 0-15 and, and we're their only win, I would definitely relocate the team. <laughs> Didn't the Lions go 0-16 in, like, 2010? Yeah, and Dan Campbell, the head coach for the Lions, was a player on that own 16 team. So wow. he'd be the first coach 
and player to ever go. At least he uh, – Hey, he'll make some history, man. Fuck yeah. He knows, he knows what it takes to get defeated. He knows Mixed how up. to not win football games. Yeah. Me and Pace, I think, uh, decided early on in the preseason that this was going to be our sleeper team. I don't know that they're a sleeper anymore. It's the Cardinals playing the Browns. Um, I know Bubba is a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but I know that he has done some good for Cleveland, and he's brought them out from being 0-16, 1-15, 2-14, whatever, however many terrible seasons they have. But I just – I don't know if he's – I know he made it to playoffs. I just don't know if he's going to be – that guy that brings a a real true playoff run to Cleveland. Um, however, they did play the Cardinals. Cardinals have an, a stellar defense, and I don't even have to give a good adjective for their offense because everybody knows that they're insane. Um, J.J. Watt is finally looking like he's got his sea legs under him for the Cardinals and – they're looking very, very scary for all the other teams that they got to deal with. Yeah, I like you said, big Baker fan. Uh, he's kind of, I don't know, I'm on, I'm on the bias side of him, and I can't not be biased towards him. But I do feel like he's a flip of the switch away from, you know, a crazy four- or five-game tear. Now, as far as you're saying, you know, a true in-depth playoff run, yeah, I – I think I'd have to agree with you. I don't know if he can do that. I don't know if he's that guy. But uh, as far as this game goes, you know the Cardinals are the Cardinals are for real. Kyler Murray's for real. They're they're a really good football team. And uh, shout out Vegas for the free money. Somehow the Browns were favored in this game, and uh, it was almost one of those where you were like, you know, what's what do they what do they know that I don't? And it really just came out that. They just gave you gave away free money to to the great United States of America, and the Cardinals steamrolled them. So, shout out Vegas for that. And yeah, I'm on the Cardinals. Or I'm buying stock in the cards. Yeah, definitely, they're a good football team. And the scariest thing about this game is Kyler only ran for six yards. So if he's not running the ball and he's just lighting you up with his arm, then you're going to be in for a long night. But I hate to say it because I love Baker Mayfield. I've been a Baker Mayfield supporter for a long time, but if I'm the Browns, I'm calling Houston and seeing what they'd want for Deshaun. But on a if, football field, baby. If he can, if he can get on a football field, I think Deshaun Watson makes the Browns Super Bowl favorites and makes them extremely more dynamic. Wow. Odell Beckham going to be in New Orleans back home before the trade deadline hits, but that's another watch story. out for o, watch out for Odell going to Green Bay. If he look, now if I will they say get Odell Beckham Jr. That kid has been running some amazing routes, but Baker seems he's got to like get look, out of Cleveland. Yeah, he's just not being used, and I know a bunch mm -hmm. of people are just saying he's been, it's because he's falling off. Which I will admit, I am probably. He's probably my favorite wide receiver in the league. Um, I've loved him since LSU, which is hard for an Ole Miss fan to love somebody at LSU. Well, actually, I take that back. I like a lot of people that have played at LSU. But Odell, by far, maybe it's just because of his swagger and his, uh, his friendship with Drake. But I've always loved him. And, I mean, 
he's just got to get out of Cleveland. He he doesn't seem like he's the number one option. He doesn't seem – I mean, and Cleveland, their offense is based off of the run game. So, I, I think if he goes somewhere, he's going to have an extremely good season, at least the second half. Uh, I just want to talk about the trade rumors or whatever. If I don't think Odell's going to be – you know, I think he learned his lesson from how exposed he got on the little Giants temper tantrums he had. But, God, I cannot imagine one of those with Aaron Rodgers right around the corner. Yeah, that would be a fun that's argument be, to watch on the sideline. We all, we all know Aaron Rodgers doesn't bite his tongue. Um, I'm going to take a break in the schedule just to talk because, Z, did the Dirty Birds have an off, off week last yeah, week? Yeah, bye week. Bye okay, week. so Saints and, the, baby. Saints and the Dirty Birds have a bye week last week. Michael Thomas is rumored to be coming back this week, and I learned today that he is going to wait a week or two more because he's not completely ready. Because he's soft. All right. He might be soft. He's good. But listen, if he doesn't want to be in New Orleans, <laughs> it's fine. We're going to ship him to Cleveland. We're going to get Odell. And mm. it's going to be fine. Interesting. Interesting. You like that? All right, Bobby, yeah, but to you... be honest, how, awesome, how soft do you – like how hurt do you have to be, though, to not be able to run slant routes? Hey, dude, come on. The, the thing is that, also dude. he – neglected advice from our coaching staff last year to get the surgery. Yeah. No. And then he waits and then he's like, all right, I'll get it now. And then like, he doesn't like June or July. Yeah. And he, and he's like talking on Twitter about the saints, like the front office did something to him, bro. We told you to like, get it. What? And now you have to wait. It's like, it's on you. Yeah. I don't understand that whole situation. I don't either. I'll still love him whenever he suits up in the black and gold. Cause that's just, that is what it is. Bubba, you had something to say, so I'll let you roll with it. I just want to lighten the mood up about uh, bye weeks. If you would say two weeks ago I had bye weeks, so I'm just going to use them for example. Instead of calling it a bye week, you know, some people call it an off week. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State beat off last weekend. Wow. <laughs> get it? All right. There it is. <laughs> yeah, y'all get it? The fans get yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Comedy right there for the listeners. That was nice. Next up, we got the good old cowgirls. I know Bubba enjoyed watching Dak go dummy. I know he's not one of the uh, guys who's going to go to Starkville to buy a Cowboys jersey, but I'm sure he likes seeing the alumni do well. Um, The story in Dallas is, yes, Dak is having a a great season. I I mean, I think they're a top four or five team in the league. I don't think there's any – dispute to that at least from what they've shown so far but Trayvon Diggs guys god that kid can play I mean he I mean he's really good and I I don't I am probably the most un-cowboy fan that you'll ever meet and it's not because Dak went there I really have no problem with Dak I don't have grudges against guys who went 0-2 against my team in college Hey, hey, hey. I'm geez. sorry. Come on. You know we're going to have to get into a little bit, Bubba. Come on. He's fine. No one called for All right. You're right. I take it back. Ridiculous. We'll save, we'll save it for the last week of college football season. Continue. Continue. <laughs> um, but that defense with the, with the stars on their helmet, they can play. Trayvon Diggs, I, I mean, 
he has more touchdowns than Stefan, I think, this year. More whatever. Yeah. I, I saw a stat on it's ESPN. The same. Yeah, they have the same amount of touchdowns. ESPN was like, who's going to stop the Diggs brothers? And I was like, in what way is this graphic positive for Stefan? <laughs> You're comparing yeah. him to a cornerback right now. Like, this is not a this is not a good comparison. Um, but, yeah, I, it's, it's very hard for me to say something good about the Cowboys. On the other side of the football, though, I do believe this. And also, I'm not a huge fan of Alabama quarterbacks coming into the league. I really do believe Mac Jones is going to be good for a long time if he stays healthy. And um, whether he stays with Belichick or not, I, just, I think that the, the kid can play. And it's not anything – I mean, he does kind of look like he's going to cry every time he's down, every time I see the camera cut to him. And then he throws – after he throws the pick to Trayvon Diggs, he goes right back at him and beats him for a 50-plus yard touchdown. So, I mean, I think he's going to be good. Um, off of what I've talked about, I want to hear what y'all got to say. If y'all disagree with me, agree with me. Think I'm done, whatever. Yeah, I got a few different one, the digs. My favorite thing about digs is by far the story of him when he went to Alabama and Saban flipping him the corner. And I feel like everyone just forgets that Saban was a cornerback and that's his specialty of coaching. Yeah. That's very uncommon for a coach of his caliber to be a damn cornerback specialist. But Kent State, right? That's where he went, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just insane because Diggs admits now how pissed he was because obviously everybody wants to catch the ball and score. Yeah. Well, now he's still catching the ball and scoring just from the opposite side. And what he's doing is just unreal. Uh, it's really fun to watch. He's a honey badger made over in the NFL. Just, a you know, he's got a knack for the ball. And on the other side of the football for the Dallas Cowboys, unbiased as possible, Dak and them boys, I mean, they're a problem. They have so many weapons, and the the Zeke Pollard at, uh, attack is just – it's different. You know, Zeke's that guy that's just going to run straight through you, and then when you see Zeke's speed and the way he runs and the hesitation, then you see Pollard come in, it's almost like Pollard's running and fast forward just because Zeke's a little more hesitant and power back, and then Pollard, as soon as he's got space, is just gone. And – Last uh, last thing I'm going to touch is a little Joe's fantasy action here. Got a little fantasy action of my own, even though I'm really shitty at it. Uh, my little Dak-CD combo I got going in one league. Shoo! Let me be down 60 on a Monday night game, and they're playing. That's a dub for me. They're nasty. CD, CD is unreal. Like, for real talk, he's, he's, he's the real deal. But I'll let Z go into it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with – Everything you said about Dallas, I mean, as long as they can stay healthy, I mean, they look like a really good football team. And Dak's got a little bit of a calf strain right now, they're saying. But, I mean, this bye week comes at a perfect time for them. I hate to say it because Dan Quinn screwed our my Falcons out of a Super Bowl, but he's got that defense looking really good. And uh, they're flying around. Trayvon's just balling out. Micah Parsons moved him down to the line with Lawrence out, and he's just been balling out too. But with New England, I mean, I think they they just got to let Mac throw the ball downfield. I mean, it just looks like everything's a check down, everything's a five-yard throw. If they just let him throw it downfield a little bit more, I think they won't be uh, too bad. But, I mean, it definitely looks like Brady was a little bit more important 
to that than uh, Belichick was. Yeah. yeah, and I do want to touch base on the Dak deal. How we talked about MVPs earlier. Dak's in the lead at plus 400 odds, and I hate that it's just what – I mean, I think he could have an MVP season regardless of his story and stuff, but I almost think he could – there's never a lock in a future bet at all, especially with him. You know, you saw him go down the injury last year after he was on pace to have a great season, but with him coming back off that injury and – you know, being a big smiling guy and a Cowboys quarterback, I almost think that if he just continues to do what he's doing, they're gonna they're gonna give this MVP to him because of the comeback story and how it was. So, if you're looking at a future bet like that, uh, I think he's a I think he's a really good one. The value's not there, but as far as who you, who you're really sold on, it might be. And uh, I think the calf the calf injury is gonna be all right. Like you said, the bye week. Uh, Cowboys are going to beat off this week, and you know he'll come back and he'll be all right. That's so good. That's just snuck <laughs> that one in there. <laughs> uh, next one we got the old Gruden list Raiders now, mm. and then uh, the Broncos. I don't have anything on this one. I'll let you guys hop into it if you want to. Um, we already talked about John Gruden, so I don't really have anything else on the. On the Raiders. I mean, I can't. I, mean, I can't see the Raiders and not think about John Gruden. Not even because of the emails or anything. It's just going to be wild now that he was, you know, he was back, and it seemed like him and Derek Carr were, you know, ginning a little bit and had something going. And I don't know, man. It's just I want. I want to see how it's going to affect them. Obviously, they won. You know, they won this game, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to. It's kind of different, too, in the NFL, I feel like, compared to, you know, LSU, for example. You know, Coach O now not going to be with them next year 100%. Uh, that's been announced. I feel like them being younger and having a lot more kids and, you know, the leaders on the team technically are, you know, 22, 23 years old. Well, you know, the Raiders got leaders that are 35 to 40 years old. So, I don't think uh, – I don't know. It's obviously going to affect you losing your head coach and the way he went out and – you know, the racial and the sexism. And so there's going to be talk around their locker room. But I think at the end of the day, these guys are getting paid the big bucks and they're going to play football. And uh, I think they'll continue to win. And I still hate Derek Carr and he had a hell of a game. I think he threw for like 350. Yeah, man. I mean, all I got really on this game is uh, Denver's a bunch of frauds. And um, I definitely thought uh, Vegas wouldn't be as good without Gruden because he was calling the plays, so I thought that would have an effect, but I mean, obviously, Derek Carr's just taking over, and it looks like he's doing a lot at the line of scrimmage, and I mean, he's playing elite caliber football, so I mean, they can score with anybody, so they'll be a fun team to watch down the road, for sure. Yeah, I had a uh, it's kind of based on Gruden, not really, kind of just brought up the argument or the discussion. Do you guys think that NFL co- – I mean, NFL coaches matter. But we were talking about this. Are NFL coaches kind of overrated, honestly, like the head coaches, just because they're grown men who have been playing football at a pretty competitive level since, you know, we'll say 16 years old is a fair number, I guess. I mean, you look at Tom Brady. You think Bruce Arians is really calling the offense, you know. Tom Brady's calling probably almost every play. And if he doesn't like a play, he's going to check it and change it into something that he does like with a matchup that he likes. So when we're talking about NFL, I think, I think it, 
kind of like you said, some bad coaches are obviously overrated because they're in the HC spot. And then, you know, some other coaches have a scheme that just works and they get it a little bit better. So this is just an opinionated question. But, Z, go ahead and give your take on it. I don't think uh, they're overrated. I do think you need coaches. I mean, in the NFL, it's, I feel like it's harder to be a head coach in the NFL than it is in college. And it's obviously proven because, I mean, you look at Nick Saban, he's the greatest college football coach of all time, but he wasn't a great NFL coach. I think it's just harder to lead grown men who are making millions of dollars and have a little more leeway to do what they want. Another thing I will say that maybe, you know, you you could say they're not really needed. I think on game day, in the actual game, if the head coach doesn't have anything to do, like, with the offensive or defensive plays, then they're really just there to manage the clock and throw the challenge flag. So that's a, one part of it that you can be like, all right, I get that. But, I mean, for Gruden, he was calling every play. So I think that's a that's a loss for the Raiders. Yeah. There's so much different aspects. Like, if you break it down, you say, okay, just the sideline coach overrated. Most people are probably going to say, yeah, just yeah. because at the end of the day, like we said, these experienced quarterbacks, they're making these meals. If they see something they like and they're taking the snap and you're over there, they're probably going to check down to something they feel a little bit more comfortable doing and throwing. Yeah. But – I will. I do want to touch base on the whole uh, relationship deal. Uh, we talked about it earlier, and I think it's a great point going back to, you know, how overrated are coaches or how are they not overrated, whatever. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, I don't think, is where he's at or plays the same bit of confidence if he's playing for John Gruden, so to speak. You know, so I think, I think relationships like that, especially with the younger quarterbacks when they come in and they kind of take them under the wing, uh, I think that that side of coaching is it's really special for one and for two. I think it really does make a huge difference, even with these guys who are growing in. There's Look, one coach out there who I say is extremely overrated, and it's if you ever watch a Georgia football game, they have a coach whose only job is to hold Kirby Smart's belt, so he doesn't get too excited. Like that guy can kick rocks. I delete. I'm going to tell the viewers right now. I deleted my previous comments. Because they were dumb. <laughs> and these guys made really good points. But I will – okay. I'm going to say that circumstances cause a coach to be overrated or underrated. Bruce Arians, in my opinion, in the NFL, I will say, Z is right about gathering grown men who make millions. If I was over there making millions, you think this guy's going to scream at me like John Gruden yells at his players? Well, not anymore, but you get the picture. I'm like, bro, I don't – like how, I'm like how, here. But, yeah, like I was saying earlier about Joe Judge, you got these dudes who are grown men making millions, and you're going to tell me to run a lap? Like, yeah, he ain't fuck, doing right? that. Like, that's, then, the, that's the hardest thing to do about being a head coach, I think. Yeah. And then you got, like, Bruce Arians, I mean, is overrated because I know Tom Brady. Like, when you have a, a, a quarterback like Tom Brady, you call a play, and he doesn't like it, he's just going to check it. Aaron Rodgers, he already hates his head coach. You think he's not checking his plays? He for sure is. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I sit on the poll because these guys have made great points. Good question, <laughs> Bubba. That was a good question. That, that was a Thank good you. segue. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we only got two games left. Seahawks and Steelers. I don't know if anybody watched this one. I watched it. I stayed up late on Sunday to finish it out. Uh, the Steelers win it in OT with a field goal. Guys, the Steelers are not good. Big Ben, 
Uh, me and Bubba have said this multiple times on this podcast. It's time for Big Ben to to pack it up and take those millions and say he doesn't want to be coached anymore off, off the last conversation because, look, the guy's got crazy records. He's got Super Bowl rings, multiple. And I just kind of think that he is overstaying his welcome in Pittsburgh. And, look, Mike Tomlin, I will always think he's a good coach. You know, just because of my youth, I grew up in the Steelers for good, that they were just good. But these guys beat a Seahawks team without Russell Wilson by three points in overtime. And I'm not taking anything away from Geno Smith. He played a he played a decent game. He did end up fumbling the ball to lose the game. Um, and that just kind of shows you why Russell Wilson was in in the first place. But uh, I want to I want to know what you guys think about the Steelers. And obviously, I mean, the Seahawks season is kind of derailed for the moment with with Russell Wilson being out. You can have as many weapons as you want, but if you don't have a signal, signal caller back there, it's kind of hard to get things going. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, uh, you kind of drilled everything with the two teams. Uh, really hate it for Geno Smith. I was, <laughs> I lost some people some money there just because I was high. I, I'm a big like if someone gets injured and backup comes in, I'm I'm really big on rooting for them to just have some breakout bullshit happen, just because everyone assumes like oh he's a backup, he's not great. Like, he's in, he's in the NFL. He's a second-string quarterback in the NFL. Like, yes, Geno Smith didn't play a great game. But, like you said, you know, it was exceptional. It wasn't just horrendous. Yeah, and he's a veteran backup. Like, it's not like you're just throwing a guy in there that hasn't been there before. Like, he, he knows the game. He, he's yeah. been in NFL atmospheres before. For sure. But what I do got to do is I got to pick on you, G. I got to pick on you about the uh, this damn land shark on Twitter. Oh, DK and Shannon. <laughs> what is – what? What did I miss? Like Shannon, Shannon's resume is is oh, this is gonna be good. Shannon's resume is sharp. Oh, that's that is good <laughs> wordplay. Well, he's on it. He's on it tonight. Well, the thing right. is, is that Shannon calls out random people. Like he DK didn't say anything to him, and like DK I didn't I mean, say it was a dumb play. It's a dumb play. It was one hundred percent. DK DK can't feed into that. Is basically what I'm getting. I'm not saying. DK can have an opinion. I'm not. I'm not trying to say shut up and dribble or nothing, but he shouldn't like. I don't know. DK's just got to be bigger and know that DK's going to be great. DK's on one of my fantasies. I hate he made a bad decision about where he went to school. <laughs> he's he's going to be great. I'm. I'm more mad at DK for even buying into the shit, just because you know that's how Shannon Sharp works. Like he wants to pick on. I mean, look how he played the game when he did play. Yeah. Like, you know, he's gonna. He's gonna pick his way and make sure he gets on the big screen, so to speak. So yeah. that's what I was mad at that DK even bought into it. But I did say what DK ended up saying, he like double quoted the tweet or double replied and was like, you know what, you're right, work in progress, which he was being a smart ass, but at the same time, I do think DK kind of sat there and realized what he did and was like, damn, like I took I took the bait. Now I just need to back off of it and act like I don't care. Yeah, I uh I'm not gonna lie to you. I I was I was an athlete for a little while, and I if I, I think if I went to the NFL and I saw Skip Bayless or Shannon Sharp talking about me, I it'd be hard for me not to get the Twitter fingers going just because like I'm a fan right now and it's hard for me not to get Twitter fingers going. Yeah. But I'm getting better at it because I'm not really a fan of uh, of social media. But I think that this is not necessarily a problem with DK. I think this is 
something that we're going to see more and more often with these younger players who have been accustomed to social media being a part of their lives um, going forward. Agreed. Just because they're used to it. I don't think it's like anything that's trying to show disrespect. I'm sure Shannon Sharp is going to get a, a peek in his views uh, talking about the tweet later on this week on on his show. So um, I, I understand that as an athlete, as a person who's a Pro Bowl caliber player, you probably shouldn't respond to to talk show hosts. But at the same time, it's Shannon Sharp. It's a guy who's been in the NFL before, a Pro Bowl or a Super Bowl champion. Um, and I think these guys like to have fun on social media just like we do. So I, I think that I think that it's going to be more common, especially to to people that are like former players. Like you're not going to catch somebody. You're not going to catch LeBron. Uh, tweeting back at, at uh, Skip Bayless. You're just not. Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith, you're not going to see – like me and Z are big Conor McGregor fans. You're not going to see Conor McGregor – well, actually, never mind. You might see Conor McGregor tweet back at Stephen A. Smith. But my point is Stephen A. Smith doesn't – know what that going to do. Yeah, Conor probably will. So, I'm, I'm using a bad no. example. But, <laughs> like, enough, let's say Khabib. Let's say, like, a – or Dustin Poirier, like a UFC fighter. Stephen A. Mm. Smith gets on UFC with ESPN because he has a deal with them. Stephen A. Smith has no idea what he's talking about when he's talking about <laughs> martial arts. But mm. he's going to call people out repeatedly because that's his job. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's, I, I think with people like Shannon Sharp that have played before, you'd probably get more replies rather than somebody who like doesn't know what they're talking about. And I think it's fun for Shannon Sharp, too, because he's a meme lord himself. So – I went on a rant for no reason there, but yeah, that's that's all I gotta say. And I had to bring it up just because the noise it made around yeah the world and stuff like that. But yeah, I do agree. Like, I don't know. I think him being the bigger name, it's okay for him to chirp at him. I was just saying, I feel like Shannon Sharp was behind his computer or Twitter and just grinning. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because that gets him more follows too. Yeah, which I mean, when you make it big time like that, you know, maybe one day Joe Burrow or Tom Brady will have the nuts to come at me, and I say fuck them. But for now, they're not because you know they're shit. But yeah, Shane's <laughs> the luxury of having a platform, and he gets to make a little noise. DK chirps, but yeah, I strongly, strongly agree with as each class progresses and each new draft comes out, we're gonna see stuff on social media that ten years ago you never thought you'd see as far as players chirping back at random. I think some of them will break and, you know, random fans will get replies, random. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I do strongly agree with the social media game is going to change day by day in the sports world. Z, you got anything on that or the Steelers game? Nah, man, y'all hit it all. Y'all hit it all. All right. This is – I think this might be the longest NFL segment we have, but it's been good because we've had a couple segues. Uh, Next up, last game of the week. Bills and Titans played on Monday. And, look, it was a fun one to watch. Uh, Titans get the last-second stand. Josh Allen couldn't quite get to to the first down marker with time running out. Or, yeah, to the first down marker with time running out. And then they were going to obviously have have a touchdown chance. But uh, they don't get it. Oh, Bubba's guy from old Mississippi State, Jeffrey Simmons, gets the stop. And uh, Derrick Henry – just as any time you watch a Titans game, it's going to be the Derrick Henry show. So, what you guys got on that one? Oh, King King Henry's going to King Henry, kind of like you just said. He uh, 
he's a freak of nature. I, it's almost one of those things like you see so often, like every time, you know, the Titans play, they're going to show a Derrick Henry workout or they're going to show his top speed, how he topped out at 22 miles an hour Monday night and he's 250, just, just a creative player. And uh, I don't know, man, y'all, if y'all ain't following the Twitter and the picks by now, it was the Derrick Henry show and we called it. Uh, Derrick Henry first touchdown of the game, plus 400, over 97 and a half rushing yards hit. Titans money line hit just a great night for the dudes as far as the gambling world. And I'm, I'm fully on the Titans. And like we talked about Derek, Derek Henry, uh, MVP pick is not a, not a bad investment. Uh, he's, he's, he's just so fun to watch, man. He's, he's awesome. And then, you know, he, he kind of covers up the fact that they have AJ Brown and Julio who, you know, they're not bad. They're not bad ball players either, but, when you got Derrick Henry, that's a big ass shadow casted upon anyone playing on that field. So the Titans' offense is the real deal. Uh, I feel like when you're in trouble, you know you know who to hand the ball off to. So I think he's uh, I think he's going to continue to carry the Titans, and as long as he can stay healthy, you know he's going to carry them wherever they need to do, need to go. And uh, shout out Jeffrey Simmons for the fourth down stop. I do want y'all's thoughts after Zeke gives his take on the game. Thoughts on the Bills not uh not trying to take their chances in overtime. Yeah, um, I'll just say uh, Tennessee looked good. I think it was a a big. <clears throat> I'm not gonna say it was rigged, but I mean that was a big big deal for Vegas there because there's were countless parlays with Bills money line to close out a weekend that definitely would have killed Vegas on the gambling side of the world, but um. Tennessee looked good. Buffalo blew chances early if they could have gone up 14 nothing. I don't know if Tennessee's able to storm back like that running the football. But, I mean, you got Derrick Henry. You're always in the game if you cannot get behind early. But, I mean, if you get behind early, that's a little tough, tough type of offense to run. But they still got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, who are extremely dynamic. But I think you're going to see teams now after seeing what Derrick's done just – load the box and just ask Tannehill to beat them and see if they can. Yeah, going back to what Bubba asked, I don't think that the the situation was – or I don't think the fourth down going for it decision was, was a bad one. I mean, I would have trusted him to, to get the first down. I, mean, I think the coach said if he could do it again, he'd do it again. And I'm not even a Bills fan, but if I, if I was the coach, I'd – I'd give him a go again. Um, maybe would have called a different play. But uh, just because of how good that Tennessee D-line is. But, I, I mean, I really think that that it was the right play, and I think that the Bills could have easily uh, converted and won that game if it goes the other way, and the coach looks like a genius. So, just as always, you know, you go for it, you don't get it, you look dumb, you go for it and get it, you look like a genius. Yep, exactly. If you get it. You're smart. If you don't, you're an idiot. But, I mean, Josh, you got Josh Allen. You're going for it every time. Yeah, absolutely. At that point in the game. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not turning the ball over to the kicker. I mean, just like I said earlier about Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, I mean, you got a guy like Lamar Jackson, you're going for it every time. I mean, you, you're going to ride with your guys, and he's the best player on the team. So, he's your quarterback. I mean, he just got blown up. It is what it is. But, I mean, if they're in that situation again down the road, I mean, they're going to do it again. 
I don't know. I don't know, Z. Ravens' best player, Justin Tucker now. Yep. <laughs> right now, kickers, kickers are people. Justin Tucker's an outlier. <laughs> no, but I, I agree. I think everyone agrees. I just had to ask just because there's a little chatter. But, I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you all. You got to go for it. Just, I don't know, on the road. I feel like that's the right play. Not that on the road play is a big mm-hmm. deal. I feel no, like it's- on the road is a huge deal. If you're at home, it's a lot easier because what if you you take you you kick the field goal and go to overtime on the road and they win the toss? I mean, you're in trouble. overtime, you, yeah, you're in trouble. So, I think it's definitely the right play. If you're at home, if it's in Buffalo, I could see them kicking the field goal. But yeah, so. Awesome win for the Titans. I feel like that's a quality, quality win, uh, especially at Nissan. Like we said, they were at home. Uh, big win for them. And, you know, kind of kind of curious to see what old Patty does next weekend at, in Tennessee. Uh, I know some folks go, and I feel like that will be a good matchup Sunday. But good win for the Titans. Uh, I'm with you all, though. Not kicking it. Screw it. If he would have got it, he was, he was a god. So. Shout out to Tits. Shout out to Titties and Derek Henry. For those who don't know, me and my boy Z, huge Conor McGregor fans. You guys could see the camera right now. My boy Z mimics McGregor, the notorious, a little bit. I used to call him Conor McGregor all the time. He used to we used to watch some fights and just yell McGregor the whole time while, while Connor was knocking out somebody. Um, oh, yeah. And we have also made a pact. I will say this live so that neither of us can back out of it. The next title fight that McGregor has, honestly, next see, if, fight you're, if you're down, I'm down. Yeah, next fight he has. Me and Z have decided that we are going um, and we're going to watch Connor knock somebody out as he always does yep. unless he breaks his leg. We don't talk about any other fights, but but I wanted to ask Z just because the the loaded cards that are coming up for UFC to end the year out. What do you think about? We can talk about Gaethje Chandler if you want, but I'm really just going to ask about the main two: Covington Usman. Two going to be obviously amazing, and the fight that I think if Connor doesn't break his leg, he's probably in. Oliver and Poirier for the for the lightweight title. What you got on those two or three? Yeah, man. I mean, um, Usman's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. But um, watch out for Colby Covington. That dude wanted this fight. He's been working for this fight. Um, he deserve. He thinks he deserves to have this fight again in this in this rematch. And then I saw today that. Um, it came out Usman didn't even want to take this fight. His management didn't want to take this fight. But Dana said, if you don't take this fight, we're just going to strip the belt. So I think that is something that's um, something to look at there with that fight. Covington's a bad dude, man, so watch out for him. But uh, I hate Dustin Poirier. I don't like his wife. I don't like his little country town he's from. I don't like anything about him. Dude's soft. His hot sauce is whack. I mean, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. It's a completely biased thing. 
he's a, he's a good fighter though. The dudes, the dude can hit you and he can hit you hard. But um, and I think he I think he beats Charles Oliveira. I will say that I think he beats him. All right. I so, think it. I think it's his time to to be on top. Unfortunately, I think he's got to stay up. And if he doesn't stay up, he's got to stay on top. If they get into wrestling, he can't let Charles Oliveira get on top because if he does, mm-hmm. obviously Oliveira being from Brazil, that jiu-jitsu is just a different type of, of monster when he's on the ground. But yeah, man, I think this is Poirier's prime. I don't think any time before this, he's been mm-hmm. as good as he is right now. And that really stinks just because, if Con- I, I really wanted to see how the rest of that fight went, you know, at 264. Because, yep. I mean, people are saying, whoa, Connor was getting destroyed by the ground and pound. It's like, if you watched yeah, his but when they Chad Mendez feet, fight, though, yeah, if you watch his Chad Mendez fight, he gets destroyed on the ground the second round and gets up the third mm-hmm. round and knocks the guy out and, you know, <laughs> wins that interim title. But yep. I got to ask you this then, Z, on mm-hmm. the, uh, if Poirier wins it, does he give McGregor the title shot to come back? I don't think so. You think he's scared? I think I don't think he's scared, but Connor doesn't deserve a title shot. I mean, he's still Conor yeah. McGregor. Yeah. Could I could it could I see it happening? Yes, because it'll I mean Connor's Connor and it'll bring stupid money to the UFC. Yeah. But I think if Poirier wins, um, especially with the timeline here, I mean, I think Connor would get Oliviera. First, mm-hmm. I think I think and the if, next if he title beats fight, him, then that'd be it. But yeah. I don't know who Poirier would fight for I, the title I, if he were to win. I think he fights the winner of uh, Gaethje and Chandler on the undercard of um, Got to I guess yeah. Usman. Yeah, so Connor could get the loser of either Poirier and Oliveira, or the loser of that. The loser of that one, which Gaethje's a bad dude, man. Yeah, he is. He is. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler's a hell of a fighter. He did yeah, some he work is. to, to uh, my man Hangman. Hey, he, Hangman Dan. He was dominating old, uh, old Oliveira in the title fight as well, but mm-hmm. second round, Oliveira got some nice hits on him and knocked but him man, out. I, yeah, I hate that for Connor though, because I think he's a great matchup for Oliveira. A lot better matchup than, like, Connor's a lot better matchup for Oliveira than he was for uh, poor, yeah. Oh, 100% agree. Just because Connor's takedown defense is probably the best I've ever seen. Obviously, I mean, if you ask people all the time, who do you think has the best chance in a Khabib rematch? If Khabib were to ask for rematches, he, I don't think he had very many, um, mm-hmm. especially as a as the title holder. Everybody says, you know, Connor, because his oh, takedown absolutely. defense is so good. And I think he's the only person to win a round against Khabib. Yeah. In a, uh, in a title fight. But obviously, you know, I'm going to talk about all the good things that Connor's done because I'm a Connor McGregor fan. But uh, yeah, I think just, I mean, just as well, you know, Oliveira's a jiu jitsu guy. He's going to try and get you on the ground if he can. But uh, Connor's takedown defense is so good and nobody can withstand that left hand. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, no. He's a sniper with the left hand. So, uh, I mean, even Poirier, I saw, I haven't watched the video. I saw the caption. He was like, "Yeah, Connor by far is the hardest hit I've ever taken." So, yep. I mean, it just goes to show a guy who, who hates him with every bone in his body is willing to say, "Yeah, he's got the, he got the heaviest hand in the UFC." So, um, I know he won't do it, but I feel like for him to get back on top, if he went back down 
in weight again he yeah. was just dominant i mean and there's good fighters down there too but oh yeah i mean this yeah. i mean this weight class is it's loaded so i mean there's no reason he won but i mean it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back i mean it is hard when you're worth that much money and you make that much money to just go out there and get hit in the face over and over again yeah and uh he is he is teetering between the two because he's not doing featherweight anymore i I think in my personal opinion the two best weight classes in the ufc are welterweight and lightweight Mm -hmm. and he's just going in between those yeah he's got the best fighter so i mean for a resume there's no yeah there's no way he touches featherweight again no so I'm I'm very interested to see who his next fight is because I mean he could take anybody in those two weight classes and everybody in those two weight classes are superstars so it'll be really fun to see yeah and they'll and they'll all take the fight because it's, it's Conor McGregor it's a red and panty night make a shit ton of money it's Gucci Mink you know what I mean you're making millions off one fight just because it's right. McGregor Bobo you were about to say something oh yeah y'all just tell me who to take y'all just y'all just pick the one. Uh, <laughs> I did tell Bubba, I told him that he's going to – we're going to get him to watch – he's not really a big UFC guy, but we're going to get him to watch the uh, Usman Covington. And just because Covington talks so much, I know he's going to love him. Oh, so, yeah, he'll love that. Yeah, yeah. Covington's a – he's an animal. And but Yeah, that should be a good fight. I'm looking forward to that fight. Yeah, I think it speaks volumes as well that Usman didn't want to take the fight. You know, I mean, yeah. that's really the only guy that's given Usman since he's had the title a run for his money. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's his arch rival, so – that's going to be really fun. Yeah, watch out for Colby Covington. Tell you that. All right, dudes. Went to the bread and butter, as I like to call it. Uh, college football week seven. Little rundown with it through the top 25. Uh, we did miss, you know, we missed a week. So we got some catching up to do. Not too much. Week seven just passed by, and, man, Oregon Oregon looks like they got roughed up by Stanford. I don't know if they lost their confidence or what happened, but Friday night they had a sneak by Cal, who's a one-in-four football team. Oregon was at home as well. And, you know, college – I don't know, college football games on those Thursdays or Fridays, they're kind of rocking. Like, the, the stands aren't as – it's not as family-friendly. It's kind of like every student goes because it's a – you know, it's a Thursday or a Friday night. And, uh, yeah, Oregon had to sneak by with a little seven-point win over Cal. So, that raised some red flags to me. Uh, I think they were like a two-touchdown favorite. But I think it's just Oregon kind of showing that, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't, think, I don't know if anyone truly believed in them. I did get caught saying that I was on the Oregon train. I think I just kind of wanted something different. And uh, they just proved, I think, with a seven-point win over Cal that, the Stanford loss was actually, you know, their true colors and they're not very good. Boys, y'all got anything on Oregon? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just think that quarterback just ain't it. The offense is just a little slow and they just aren't who they were, I think, when they beat Ohio State. And really, I don't think Ohio State now is who they were when they got beat by Oregon, but. Sure. That's a different conversation, but I do say I do like Oregon this week, though. I do like Oregon this week, though. I'll yeah, I think they, I think they figure it out a little bit, but I just I think they're not the the four spot that the, you know they got ranked. When oh they, no, no. Yeah, I think that was I think everyone saw through that pretty easy, but 
Next up, a team that I freaking love. And G and some of my other close friends who have known me for a while, a while, have always known. I kind of – it was mainly – it mainly grew in college basketball with their rival with Xavier. But my boys at Cincy, everyone wants to call them a fraud and call them, you know, their Cincy, their schedule, this, that. Bro, Desmond Ritter – and the Bearcats haven't done anything to where I swear to God, if they get disrespected, if they went out and somehow don't get in, I'm I'm done with the committee until it goes to 12 teams just because they're not, you know, they're not squeaking by anything. They won 56-21 over UCF. I think the week before that they won 52 to three over someone. I know that I only know that because the I think they hit the over by themselves. And then they did it right at it again this week. So they're not uh, – I think they know. I think they hear that chatter in the back of their – you know, the back of their head that we need to dominantly win the rest of our games because the rest of their schedule is very weak. But I don't know. I think Desmond Ritter shows signs that he's actually an elite quarterback. I like him a lot. And uh, I like Cincy a lot. I like the, the defense. You know, the defense isn't a slouch. And like I said, they got some weapons on O. And I think if they dominantly win – the committee's got to put them in. Like you can't, you can't fuck this one up just because they've got they've got the win over Notre Dame that was a big time game at the time. I think they, you know, they got to hope and pray that Notre Dame plays out and finishes a good record and a good football team. Which, you know, I think they'll finish good enough to where that win looks good. But yeah, I just I really don't want the committee to fuck this one up. Just mainly for the fans and for Cincinnati and you know just to prove that if they do. It's another thing that the commit. It's got to go to a twelve-team playoff, like they're saying it's going to go in the next three or four years. But I know y'all got some takes on Cincy. I think they're for real, man. I, I mean, I really don't have anything on them. It does suck that their one win is against Notre Dame, just because I don't. I mean, I'm not a fan of Notre Dame to be honest. Like I just I always think that they're overrated. Um, but I mean, I think. I think Cincy's for real, and I think that they're going to continue to show against the teams that they play that they're for real. But uh, I do want to say, I talk about Notre Dame being overrated. They went to the playoff two years in a row, got blown out. I want to hear y'all's takes on this because this, like, this is a take that I've been thinking about all week that I wanted to say on this show, and I want to hear the reactions of Kohi and my boy Z here. I see Oklahoma this year, this Oklahoma team, as what Notre Dame usually is in the college football playoff rankings. I don't th- I just don't think they're good, man. Like their defense obviously has proven that they're not good. And now they're having QB trouble, which Caleb Williams isn't just some like he's not just some throwaway. He's a he's a he was a great recruit out of high school. But I mean, I just I don't think that they're good, man. They all they almost lose to these teams every week, and it's just like they're squeaking by. And like Bubba said earlier on the show, um, I think it was one or two shows ago, you know, if they keep winning, they're going to stay in that conversation. And, of course, I think they have to. I mean, college football is down this year, and you've got a big-name team like that. If they're going to go undefeated, they're going to go undefeated. I just – I think that they when, they when they get in that playoff against a team that's for real, if they played Alabama, there's no doubt in my mind right now they get 30-piece. No, yeah, but in your opinion, if they were to play Cincinnati right now, who would win? I think Cincy would win. I don't think that they'd get 20-piece, though. I think Cincy would win 
probably by uh, close. Yeah, I think it'd be closer. Oh my my take on Oklahoma, I I do want to say I think that's a really awesome comparison, and I think that's like a well a well thought comparison. It's always fun to you know pull a comparison that no one talks about, and that was awesome analogy and the two I do see similarities in the two, but I'm on this Caleb Williams train. You know, he came in, did what he did against Texas, and now they just three touchdown beat TCU. That's usually a little dog fight, random close game, just being, you know, kind of rivals right there, button up to one another. So I don't know, man. If, if, you know, I think we need to see more of Caleb Williams. And I think that's, I know it's, you know, they're seven and oh, so I know it's kind of late to say we need to see more, but I just think this is a whole different team without Radler. You know, they had their whole fan base chanting, you know, they wanted they wanted Caleb, and now we're getting them, and they seem to be playing a little different. They hung up a 50-plus a 50 bomb like the Oklahoma we know, you know, the Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, the Baker, Oklahoma, and I don't know. But that goes for me to say, you know, I don't think they're out of the picture necessarily, but even if they're a Baker and a Kyler and a Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma, you know, they still came up short when they did. So my biggest take about that goes back to what I preach on. I'm sure people are tired of hearing it. The the playoffs just has to expand sooner because we can't keep having these, well, you know, what if we what if we don't put in Oklahoma and Caleb Williams was that guy? Caleb Williams could beat Alabama, whose defense isn't the stellar defense they were. Well, then say we put in Oklahoma and we don't give Desmond Ritter and the Bearcats a chance, like, it's just got to expand, and I don't see how it's not, like, so blunt and obvious to the committee that it's just getting to be, you know, there's not those – I mean, it's hard to say it's not those two two or three guys when it's really Georgia, Bama, and Oklahoma right now again. But there's just – there's so many – the next, you know, the next four through ten almost are like, you know, what if this – what if they play the way they played in week four? What if they come out and play the way they did in week five? So – I don't know. I think it's got to get bigger because these two comparisons are, you know, they're so much different teams. Like they're different, different style of play and different aspects of the game. And just four teams out of a hundred and thirty FBS schools is, I mean, it's just, it's unreal. It's unreal to think that that's what they break it down to. Do away with the bowl games, expand it. I mean, look at every other college sport. You know, you don't have to be in the top four to make your your run or have your chance. Uh, you know, basketball and baseball are both 64 teams in the midst of it. And then Omaha does get down to eight. But, I mean, even give us eight and it would be better. I want 12 because I do think one through four are a lot more elite than, you know, eight through 12. But it would be so much more fun for football. And to have a home home playoff game in college football, are you kidding me? Like that would just be – I mean, that's a whole different, whole different level of uh, electricity in the atmosphere and – I think it's just got to go back to that. But back on your comparison, I got a little sidetrack there because I always like to rant about the playoffs. Comparison, as I said, is great. Uh, it's hard It's hard for me to tell just with Caleb, Will- Caleb Williams not having crazy amount of plays yet. No, you make a good point that it's a completely different team when he's out there. But, Z, what you got? Oh, but, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with Joe on the uh, comparing Oklahoma to the previous Notre Dame teams we see when it comes to the playoff, but um, I just think they got to slip up somewhere. I don't think they're good. Their defense sucks like usual. 
I mean, Caleb Williams is really good. I mean, he was the number one player in the country when he came out. And um, they got weapons. They got athletes. But I just think they got to slip somewhere. I mean, they go to Baylor, which Baylor's playing good football. And then at the end of the year, they go to uh, Oklahoma State. That's the one. Who's undefeated, who looks like a good defensive team, even though they're not just super explosive on offense. But I just think Oklahoma's got to slip somewhere. But, uh, yeah, what Kohe said, you definitely got to expand the playoffs to at least eight teams. But um, also, I think there is a chance if everyone wins out for the regular season, there's a chance an undefeated Cincinnati does not make the playoff. Yep. And it's just it just is what it is because they don't play anybody. I mean, if Georgia stays at number one and Bama doesn't lose again and then they go to the SEC championship game and Bama beats Georgia, I mean, you can't not put them both in. And then you got the winner of the Big Ten. I think Iowa losing really helps Cincinnati, though. But if yeah. Oklahoma goes undefeated and wins the Big 12, I mean, you can't not get in. Yeah. But but then does Ohio State win the Big Ten and they jump in? I mean, it's Ohio State. It's just a huge brand. So, I mean, I don't know. But I think this would be the year where you see a, a Cincinnati jump in here. But, yeah, I think Oklahoma's got to have a spot left where they just – they just lose one. They've come too close too many times. Yeah, and the I do want to say the Cincy and the even the I'm not on this train, but the Michigan State, you know, them staying undefeated, which they squeaked by Indiana. We don't have to touch that one heavy, but you know, them being undefeated, you still got to kind of talk about them. But the main reason this four spot is open, which it's sad that this is what it took, is the ACC being so shitty. You know, mm-hmm. it's, that's always Clemson's spot. Like it's so. It's always been locked. It's one of those things, like we were saying, it's embedded in our mind. And it just blows my mind that they can't see now that, you know, this year's in shambles. It's got comparisons to 07, as everybody said. And I just don't see how they don't realize all the possibilities that we're discussing who are three dudes that obviously don't get to sit down and talk about this stuff for 70 hours a week like the, you know, the analysts and the committee do. So I don't don't know how – I don't know how it's taking this long because there's somebody bitching every year. And I do agree that I think it's going to be Cincinnati this year. I hate that they're going to mess it up, like I said earlier. But, you know, you have Ohio State who bitched. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, years ago, when, uh, you know, when they were the, ended up being the five spot. And then just there's it's five through seven is always going to have an argument. And maybe even five through eight or five through nine because mm-hmm. – you know, like I said, Michigan State undefeated, Cincy undefeated, but then you want to – you got to play the big brands. Like if, like he said, Bama – if Bama goes undefeated and they, you know, they beat – Yeah, if they win – you yeah, can't keep Bama out if they win the SEC. Correct. Like a one-loss law, one Bama gets in, but the dominant half that Georgia's already put up, you know they're a lot to get in. Oh, into. yeah, they're in. So – But then even with what you said about Michigan State, if Michigan State goes to – Ohio State and beats them and then wins the Big Ten. I mean, they're in. So, I mean, someone's – I think Oklahoma's got to lose. Yeah. And I think and, they will, bro. But so the, the make or break for them as far as put them in or keep them out is, like you said, it's the Oklahoma State game. So, if oh, they, yeah. there's just so – there's so many ifs, and it's so fun to talk about, honestly, because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, and they're going to have to play the games. And, 
we'll see, but I don't know. The Big 12 is – it's just – it's it's crazy how up for grabs it is, and then it's also crazy, like I said, how just shitty the ACC is. Like, I think I saw the power rankings and NC State's one in the mm-hmm. ACC, and NC State lost a fucking state. Who's not a, who's not a great team, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out there. So – and then we have to talk about – because we didn't get to talk about it because we weren't here. We are absent. You got A&M beating Bama. So there's just – I mean, this year is – It's oh, so crazy. Crazier. Yeah, it's Crazier. so – And it's so, it's so damn difficult as far as when it comes to gambling and trying to, uh, you know, trying to picture what the playoff's really going to be. But I don't know, man. Just imagine this, this much chaos. And if it was 12 teams, like they say, it's going to be within five years. It would be awesome. Yeah. Yep. It's, it sucks that you have to – you have the fear of losing one game, you know. Like, not every team, because we said Georgia and Bama can both get in the top four losing a game. But, like, like Cincinnati. Like, if Cincinnati did lose that – I'm not going to say Notre Dame game. But, you know, so they slipped up and lost some crazy heartbreaker. They'd still be a top 12. They they would fall. Yeah, they would be, you know, 10, 11, 12 maybe. But give them a chance. And, and those teams that bitch in the whole UCF having a parade and being national champions – if they want to do that and the committee thinks they're bad, let it go to 12 teams, let them get in, and let them get embarrassed if that's what you think is going to happen. But give the kids a chance, give the coaches a chance, the schools. You know, I feel like it's just a win for everyone. And as far as the money goes, I don't know how the NCAA has it, doesn't it? Because, you know, they want to pocket as anything they can, any dime they can. So, you know, more games equals more money. And the NFL, another thing I like to point out, you know, the NFL is going to 17 games. These elite programs got players that are going to go play in the NFL. It's not going to kill these kids to go, you know, a couple more games as far as playoff goes. You got NIL deals now. So, I don't know. I feel like they're running out of excuses, and I'm, I'm not sure what the what the holdup is. No, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's 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 got to happen eventually. And I don't know why they won't do it because it will just bring them more money. NCAA is all about money. G, you got anything? No, I was, the only thing I was going to add is just, like, you're talking about people always, like, getting mad that they don't get in. And that that's where I like the 12 team, because if you're not in the top 12, you don't have any room to talk about missing a playoff or whatnot. And then, you know, for the, oh, well, we're missing experiences, you still got 85 bowl games that you can go to if you get six-plus wins, you know. So I, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know when it's going to start, but I'm ready for it. Yeah, and I don't know. I just like to put it in perspective, especially because when State is, you know, kind of Mississippi State and Ole Miss is how they are right now, like it would just be – it'd be awesome to have – like right now, I'm not I'm not taking a shot at Ole Miss. I get it. They have one loss, and there's crazy odds that can still happen. I'm, I'm They're not getting in the playoffs. But I get you have uh, an actual chance right now. But – I mean, how cool would it be to know that, you know, if you take care of business, you're still going to sneak in somewhere, yeah. bottom four, maybe bottom five or whatever. So, I don't know. And then teams like, like – I mean, Kentucky, it's, not, it's not crazy for a top 12 team to have two losses at the end of the year if they're, yeah, in, a, sure. if they're in a conference championship or something. Yeah. Kentucky, I feel like Kentucky, you know, they're a team that they, – they're, they're six wins. You know, people question them this and that, and they, did, they didn't play Georgia great by any means. You know, they had a late – a late score that kind of changed the look of it, only losing by 17. Uh, 
shout out Stoops to an amazing cover, by the way, calling a timeout amazing with three seconds cover. left in scoring for no reason. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't it that. But I don't know, man. I mean, they had to play the juggernaut this year, in my opinion. Georgia's on like completely different level receiving. I think they'll receive all 63 votes to be number one the rest of the year, every single week, because they're – I mean, they're, they're like that. They really are. It's going to take – I don't know, it's going to take a playoff contender or some perfectly played game, or it may take Kirby Smart's kryptonite, Nick Saban. So, I don't know. But teams like Kentucky, that'd be fun to see them sneak in the playoffs. Uh, Oklahoma State, like we said, they had a big-time win over Texas. Uh, that was a hell of a back-and-forth game. Just, I don't know. I love to rant about that. I also love to get on the NCAA's ass. So, any opportunity of that's great. Uh, next up, we got to talk about, uh, I feel like this one shocked me. I think it shocked others. Not necessarily who won, but just, you know, how they won. And it never really seemed competitive. Looks like they've been knocked off their, uh, their little three-week high hopes. Uh, honestly, I think my Twitter my Twitter war might have might have killed the whole fan base. Since the tweet started flying, they're done. And that's Arkansas dropping the third straight, going from 4-0 on top of the world. America's team, I think they were had snuck in the top ten. I think they yeah, were like eight. They were eight. Yeah, yeah. and lose to Georgia, lose to Ole Miss in a barn burner, and then they go back home and everyone's, you know, talking about, you know, bounce back, bounce back, bounce back, and they lose by 15 to Auburn and good old Bo Nix. So, what do you guys got on that? Uh, Z, this is a perfect game for Z because he's an Auburn fan. Um, but I'm not going to lie to you at the beginning of the year. I said it. I said it on – on the show, I said that I didn't believe in Bo Nix. I didn't think that he was a good quarterback. I thought that the only thing that I'd seen from him was that Oregon game in his debut. And I'm eating my words these last two or three weeks because that kid has been playing some extraordinary football. And not only that, he is making some plays that I don't think I've seen since I saw a number two in maroon and white down in College Station. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't say that lightly, like he's really been playing out of his mind. And even when he's not playing good, he's able to make those crazy plays. Like let's, I mean, I'm not going to go on a tangent about him being like Johnny Manziel because he's not Johnny Manziel is 50 times better, but you see glimpses of it in Bo Nix because of the plays that he's able to make with his athleticism. And it's really something to watch. I'm, I'm, I'll admit it. And right now, I'm very scared for Ole Miss to play Auburn because he, I mean, he has proven, at least to me, right now, he has consistently been good for the first time in his career over a stretch of games. And uh, I think Auburn's got got something to look forward to in him if he if he stays. Which I mean, I think he he will, doesn't he? He has another year or two, doesn't he? If he wants. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So I mean. And as far as Arkansas goes, I started some fantasy basketball team for the first time. I've never played fantasy basketball. I, re- I still don't get the scoring. I just started it tonight, NBA starting off. He is an Arkansas fan and tried to compare K.J. Jefferson to Matt Corral, and I just told him to stop because I wasn't going to involve myself in that kind of conversation because if you want – like, he can tell me whatever stats he wants to about his game against an Ole Miss defense who is – I mean, atrocious. I'll say that for sure. Um, 
if you watch the film and you compare Matt Corral to KJ Jefferson, you just shouldn't be talking about college football, in my opinion. But uh, that's a rant that I'll save for another time, and I'll let you guys get into the to the Auburn stuff. No, yeah, man. I mean, Bo Nix looked really good. I think that was the best I've seen him throw the football since he's been at Auburn. He was just extremely accurate. He was on time. Auburn's a sneaky football team, man. They're uh, they're extremely streaky, especially this year. They're up and down. I mean, they almost lose at home to Georgia State of all teams. But I think for Bo Nix, that Georgia State team kind of really lit a fire up under him when he got benched for T.J. Finley. And ever since then, he's just been balling out. So they got some athletes on that team. And I think just Arkansas was just – they were hot early, and now they're just kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think Auburn's a sneaky football team. I think they're pretty good. I mean, I am a fan of Auburn, but I'm not like a diehard fan. I just have to be because my first team's Georgia Tech, and we suck. So, But, I mean, yeah, I, I watch out for Auburn. I mean, they, they got some athletes. I mean, they're still Auburn. And if Bo Nix can keep throwing the football like that, I mean, and just throwing it to Auburn receivers and not the other team, it'll be pretty good. Yeah, I just want to say I can't talk about Auburn without mentioning the name Tank Bigsby because that guy can play. Um, but I'll let Bubba get into it because I know that's his guy. Yeah, Tank's a, Tank's a stud. I just had to touch base on – I apologize if this guy listens to the podcast. But what did homeboy see to compare KJ to Matt Corral? He was – I, I, I can't scroll far enough to the messages, but he was telling me that he had – uh, more passing yards and rushing yards than him in the Ole Miss game. I was like, well, yeah, he threw it 33 more times. I mean, what what more do you want to see, bro? Y'all did a QB draw every other play, and then when he did throw it, everybody was wide open because our defense is awful. Yeah. Like, wow. That's the only game com- in-game comparison you can compare, and who won the game? Like – I don't know, man. They're, I mean, you know Ole Miss's offense. They're not going to hold the ball for a long time. They're yeah. going to score, and they're going to rely on big plays, which they did, and they don't have to run that many plays. So That's like that are just – that's just delusional as hell and trying to yeah. defend the loss. But I do agree that Bo Nix is giving little flashes of Johnny Menzel, uh, and that's just, that's just good for college football. That's what college football is all about is – you know, guys just making plays out of nothing and hearing the fans roar, thinking he gets sacked two or three times in the same play and then somehow finding a wide-open guy in the end zone. And uh, as much as I hate to talk about K.J. Jefferson just because I still stand by that he's not a good quarterback as far as the throwing aspect goes of football. Uh, very, very horrible at overthrowing receivers. But to two glimpses of, you know, you got Bo Nix seeing a little Johnny Manziel in him. And, man, K.J. with that number one on him has so many signs of Cam Newton when he runs the football. So many signs, dude. Just as soon as he takes on contact, it's like, all right, that's fine. You know, it's going to take more than just you. And when he went over the – you know, when he went in that half-line touchdown he had against Ole Miss, that was one of the most Cam Newton memories I'd seen as far as comparing the two. But enough with them two. Arkansas's on the downslide. Uh, next up, we got two that I want to talk about their coaches as well as a crazy shootout. 
uh, Florida falling to LSU and Baton Rouge, a little seven-point game back and forth, 49-42. A lot of scoring. And LSU gets the win, and you would think it'd be backwards, but now we know that Coach O will not be the coach next season of the Tigers. And I just want y'all's thoughts on not only that, but the timing of, you know, LSU, you know, this happening. Cause I just, I, I don't, I don't get it as far as them beating, you know, Florida was ranked 20th. Uh, it was a big home game for them. You know, it took them from three and three to four and three instead of going the wrong direction. And uh, I, I do, I do want to say, I agree that I think coach O got a lot of credit for some stuff he didn't do with that 2019 golden team he had, but uh I don't know, just kind of odd to announce, you know, the timing of the announcement and whatnot. Yeah, I, I think it was just something that kind of had already been decided. Um, as far as Florida goes, I'm going to use a word that Z's used a lot for NFL teams. I think they're frauds. I really don't think that Florida's that good. Um, Dan Mullen's on the hot seat for sure. I think that in this world of spread offenses – his QB draws are just starting to work less and less. Um, I still think he's a good coach. I mean, I could never coach at that level, so I, I can't really talk too much crap about him. Um, and he's he's got a national championship ring when he was with Florida the first time. So, obviously, he's a great coach, but I just think that when you go to name brand teams like LSU and Florida, it comes with the territory that you got to win. And you got to win dominantly. And, uh, I mean, let's be honest, everybody's trying to catch one guy, and his name's Nick Saban. And until he retires, nobody's going to catch him. But that's the standard. And that's what coaches are going to be held to by their athletic directors. And if you're not winning nine games or – I mean, I'm going to say double-digit games, but eight, eight or nine I would assume some of the teams would take in first or, or second years – but when you get to coaches like Ed Orgeron and Dan Mullen who have been doing this forever and you can't win, it's it's really hard for me to think that they want to keep them over there. So, yeah, I definitely think that – I mean, LSU obviously is going to go in a different direction. I've seen some rumors about Lane Kiffin going there. Hopefully that's not true. Um, and I, I think Dan Mullen's got a year or two before he, he gets the, the boot, but we'll see. I don't know. What what you guys think about it? Z, I, I saw you make a little – little notch there let me hear it oh at the end yeah um frauds florida's a bunch <laughs> of frauds but i think i don't know why he won't play that other kid the backup out of gainesville thank you Andrew. yeah i agree with you on that one too i don't know why he's so in love with emory jones it blows my mind i mean i know that even when back when he was in mississippi state he loved the quarterback run but, I mean, dude, you got to throw the football to win nowadays. I mean, look at Nick Saban. He used to all just always be defense and running the football. But, I mean, if then he had to change it up to win more games. So, I mean, I think he's definitely got to make a change there. And at this point in the season, I mean, you just – I mean, you're unranked now. I mean, you might as well give this kid a, give this kid a shot. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, it is turning into a – save your job time for Dan Mullen, but we'll see. But on the LSU side, the timing is weird for all this to come out about Coach O, especially after a big win like that. But just all the reports I've seen is just he's lost the locker room. I mean, he was 
you know, chasing tail a lot is what I was, what I've been seeing. He was bringing a lot of his girlfriends to practice. And if they had kids, he was letting them do drills with the football team during practice. I mean, you're coaching, you're coaching an SEC football team and it's LSU. I mean, you can't be just letting random kids and girls you're just, you know, hanging out with running drills with the players. So I think he lost the locker room and that was the, um, that was the main factor in this, but, but yeah, like you said about, he kind of got a lot, he got a lot of credit for that 2019 team, which he had, you know, a lot of great players and two great coaches on each side of the ball. But I mean, the dude can recruit and um, he usually, you know, he's usually a pretty good football coach and he can, and he definitely made LSU a lot of money because he's a great marketer. He's a great promoter. He's a great recruiter. He's not the best X's and O's guy, but I think he'll definitely land on his feet and find another job. Yeah, and I think uh, as far as Dan Mullen goes, man, and I, I mean, I, honestly, Coach O as well, you know, being in the SEC is one thing, but as we know it and as people have known it for years, you know, years now, Florida and LSU are, you know, they're Florida and LSU. Like, they're not, they're not settling for – both of them are four and three now. And that just that just don't fly with those fan bases. Doesn't fly with that school. Doesn't fly with the culture. So I don't know. I think Mullen the style of play. I don't know. In my in my opinion, I hate to say it. I don't think he's, I don't think the next job can be in the SEC. I think he needs to go out west, and I think he needs to get a dual guy out west, and you know, be one of those random teams that make a run. Uh, that USC job. I don't know. I uh, I don't or, hate it. Or the Washington State job. Yeah, Washington State too, with him getting kicked out over the, yeah. the whole mask yeah. deal like that. Yeah. I could see him. I could see him out there uh, just testing his luck a little bit more. For one, you're talking about Saban. Dan Mullen can't beat Nick Saban. I think Dan Mullen does have a championship mindset, and I think he wants to be great. And I think his answer to doing that is going to have to be getting out of the SEC. And uh, I don't know as far as he goes there. Florida, I, in my eyes, I guess because they're in the East, so they have a little bit better chance of a better record. But Florida, you know, I view them as a top 10 or at least top 15 team for majority of the year. And for them to be unranked after week seven, and not to mention they're one and three in the SEC, and guess who they got this weekend? <laughs> the juggernaut, Georgia. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be looking at one and four and a losing record not even in the top 30, top 35, maybe not top 40. So I don't know for for Mullen to go over there and they thought he was, you know, going to be the real deal and this and that. I just I don't know. I'm not, I'm questioning his decisions cuz I'm high on uh I'm high on Anthony Richardson and he had uh he had some good signs. I believe it was in the Tennessee game was who they played. No, Tennessee was after Bama. Whoever they played before Bama, Anthony Richardson it kind of popped off. And Bama was coming to town. Emory Jones had kind of been shaky. And hometown kid, freshman, I thought the picture lined up beautifully. Uh, I thought he was going to start him against Bama because what do you have to lose? And he doesn't. And they still kind of play it close. But then, like this game, Anthony Richardson comes in. I think they were down like 17 or something. He made it a ball game. Defense couldn't help him out, couldn't get any stops. But I think Anthony Richardson is a great football player and – for Dan Mullen not to realize what's going on down there in Gainesville, if we don't see him against Georgia, it's almost like Mullen's like, all right, 
2022 is the year because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he's playing for anymore. If he's just going to keep keep getting the same result and be one and four in the SEC with Emory Jones, so I don't know. I think he's in trouble. Uh, Coach O. Honestly, the funniest thing about Coach O is I just I think he doesn't even care. Like I think he's kind of like, all right, we'll finish the season. Like, what was it, a 17 million dollar buyout? So I don't know, but he is he is. He might miss some of the women he had down there, but I don't know if he's going to miss necessarily everything else. Just got to say, perfect time for me to say it, Coach O, overrated. He did. I mean, it was it was lightning in the bottle, <laughs> I'll say. But he, as, as he said, he had some good assisting on both sides of the football that year. But Yeah, Joe Brady being their offensive mind like that year, the pass game coordinator or whatever, now he's working in the NFL. He was, I mean – Obviously, you get him in there one year, and he's got Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase with Clyde Edwards Eler back there. It's going to be insane. And it was hell of a football team. And Thaddeus Moss. Let me not forget him. Hell of a football team. But who would have thought? Who would have thought Coach O could pull women like that? Though it's the accent, baby. Yep, it's the accent. (laughs) The accent and just the market, like you said, the marketing, the face, and the fact it's Coach O. But kind of, he might fuck around him and. Oh, Deshaun be cellmates. If he... Gee, I know you're dying for it. All right, it's time. Because I really actually do want to hear you guys' takes on this. This weekend, Ole Miss, Tennessee, beginning of the game, Neyland Stadium was looking like it was going to be rocking, like it was 2010 or something like that. Like Peyton Manning was about to run out in number 16. It was really a good atmosphere. And I was watching from a TV, so I know it was electric being there. That's our favorite word on this podcast is electric. So we got to throw it in there. Um, it was a really fun game to watch, I'm sure, as a bystander. Not so much as a as a fan of one of the teams. Um, but, man, I this is – as an Ole Miss fan, I know a lot of people hate when Ole Miss fans call other fan bases um, – classless or whatever so I'm not going to use that word but Tennessee it just looked it was a rough look and it wasn't only because of the trash that was being thrown onto the field which had to put a stop to the game which was extremely bad I mean that was no joke and it should be dealt with but there were a couple fake injuries by both teams I might add to slow up the offenses because both teams have rather quick offenses. But there was a couple moments in the game where you could tell uh, there was a like a student athlete in real harm and the fans were cheering. I remember Matt Corral in crunch time twisted his ankle, got up, and it was silent because he's about to run another play, and he falls down and the place erupted like they just scored another touchdown. It was just like like you could tell the kid was limping and he just fell down and you're erupting in a cheer and then you're throwing golf balls at a coach and full mustard bottles who brings mustard bottles to a football game. Maybe they just found it in their purse or something. I don't know, man. I just, and I know Bubba and Z might have a different opinion on maybe not the fan behavior, but how the game ended. I know I've seen Bubba talk a little bit about uh, the play that, apparently was blown dead but apparently wasn't blown dead and it was a fumble and then I've seen a, I've seen a lot of stuff about the first down that they supposedly got I really don't think it was close that might just be my bias 
Um, but he had the ball near his his crotch area when he landed. So I didn't think that, you know, on a first down, it's it's where the ball is. And he, he was down before the line, but also the other line's not the line. So y'all might have different ideas on that one. I just want to hear what y'all say. I'm sure Bubba, it's me talking, so he might not be as, as ruthless as he wants to, but um, I would love to hear what y'all got to say about the fan behavior and uh, the game itself, because that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, and – Man, I don't have any – I have zero shots at Ole Miss. Uh, you know, I think Corral played amazing with his legs. I uh, have been reading where there's a chance that he doesn't play this weekend against LSU, which – Yeah, I saw that. 30 times or however many rush attempts he had. I think it was right at 30. Uh, you know, that's a that's a risk, I guess, you got to take to get out of Neyland Stadium with a win, which they did. Back-to-back uh, -to -back little squeak by dog fights for, them, for Ole Miss – uh, as far as the fans go, man, horrible look for Tennessee fans. So, you know, that's that's trashy, classless. I'll call it how it is. I don't really care. I don't, I don't know just on Tennessee fans. But also, if I was Tennessee fan or I was getting slandered as a Tennessee fan, I would also do like Tennessee did and bring up the two years ago Ole Miss throwing trash on the basketball court. But it's one of those things that, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, so to speak. But we got to look at this as diehard fans where I know myself, I'm a fan of Mississippi State and, you know, I, I eat, sleep, breathe them. Uh, emotions run very high, you know, very, very high. And I heard this on a podcast and I want to relay it. Say there was a thousand, thousand kids or a thousand fans that threw stuff you know, that's less than 1% of the people that were at the game. So, as far as the whole fan base, I think that's a stretch. Uh, still really shitty look because, you know, all everyone saw was bands having to be taken off the field, game stoppage, they have to redo stretches, all this bullshit. But just a, a don't do it. But I do want to say it's going to happen. There's emotions. And I want to bring it all the way back to the reason for the emotions and how shitty they acted is because the SEC refuses to do anything about a crew. This was the same crew that hoed Mississippi State and Memphis. This was the same crew that got Auburn to get out of the Georgia State game with a win. And I, I just don't understand, like, that's – and then the SEC fined – you know, Tennessee gets fined $250,000. But, like, you know, help, help fix it in other ways, too. Like, question – hold the refs accountable, like ask them, you know, what really happened on the corral scoop and score? Because that's the one – I don't have a problem with the fourth down. I think that's a 50-50 call as far as like a, a ball or strike that's on the black. You know, it's up to them. What do they what do they got? Whatever the call is, it's probably not going to be overturned just because not enough evidence. That call's fine. But the scoop and score in my eyes and the way I saw it, whether it was blown dead or not, I don't know. It seemed like the play was, you know, I thought I thought for sure it was a touchdown. Yeah. I, well, I, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but I was like – I was just confused as I think everybody else was in the stadium when that happened. I was like, why did he stop? Because you see like four players look up like the play's dead, but everybody else is playing the same. And But then you see the refs like, if they did blow the whistle, just say you blew the whistle. Yeah. Like come in and – have a conference and say, hey, I blew the whistle. I shouldn't have. Like, we know refs hold the whistle in their mouths. If you blow the whistle, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have blown the whistle. 
But you did. And, yeah. You did. And the reason I'm getting so worked up because that's that's defending Ole Miss and defending that they, you know, it wasn't a scoop. Yeah, exactly. The other way is true. I mean, it's possible too. I'm just, yeah. Well, yeah, but I was about to say the reason I'm agreeing with it is because in my eyes and the thought, I haven't dissected their the Ole Miss Tennessee play near as much as I did this other one. But it's the same way as that one ref was the one that signaled the stoppage in the Memphis and Mississippi State bullshit. It changed the whole game, which Tennessee loses by less than a touchdown and an extra point would have been. Guess what? That was a touchdown and a possible extra point. And it just it pisses me off more, not because of the teams and who necessarily won that game, the team I hate the most. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, and it's just bad for college football and – it's the same bullshit every week that a little paragraph picture comes out about an apology and they may have missed a call, but that's all it is. And these kids and uh, team and fan bases and all these other people have to deal with just complete slander and just ridiculous comments from, you know, grown ass men coming to these college kids, which I get it. Like it's your diehard fan, whatever it's uncalled for, but, what I'm getting at is these kids and the players and coaches have to deal with way more that messed it up and caused the whole scene. So my biggest take on it is the SEC officiating yet again just looks, I mean, just horrible look, horrible, horrible look. And last thing I did, last play of the game, I have no idea what Tennessee was doing. Yeah, I still don't know what that man was doing. I would love to know it. And that's, that's, that's me, a fan slander and a player, and I don't give a shit. I would love to know and ask him, buddy, you took the snap with three seconds left. There's no way you thought there was a second left when you ran out of bounds. No way. Z, let us let us have it. No, nah, man, y'all, y'all pretty much hit everything there. I'm not going to be too repetitive. I thought the officiating was just horrendous in that game. And I didn't know until uh, – you just brought that up that it was the same crew in the Mississippi State Memphis game too, so that's kind of ironic. But I mean, these guys, I mean, the SEC's just gotta obviously get those guy off guys off the field. I mean, they're they're blowing games. I mean, and they're taking plays away from these kids, and you know they're affecting the outcomes of games at some point. But um, other than that, I, I, the ending of that game was just terrible. Uh, it was a bad look for Tennessee. I mean, I get it. You're going to be pissed off. You're emotional. I mean, I don't think there's a need to just start launching a launch ball or a launch ball, a golf ball at uh, <laughs> Lane Kiffin. But, I mean, I don't know. For the fun of it, since I'm going to Oxford this weekend, maybe I'll bring a golf ball with me and just start throwing it around, see what kind of action we can get. But, but, yeah, other than that, man, I mean, yeah, I was just bad officiating and just – it was just like the worst ending to a football game. Like it just, it seemed like it was never going to end. Yeah. I mean, there was 10 seconds left for like 20 minutes. It felt like, but yeah. And then the last play of the game was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Yeah. That was bonehead for sure. I mean, just I, throw it up. Yeah. Just like, dude, just throw it. I mean, or McKenzie huge, like take a chance to try like, to run through somebody. What are you doing? Yeah. Don't just walk out of bounds. That was, that, was, that was rough. And I do want to say, just because there are not very many times that I get to say that a Ole Miss quarterback is in the Heisman running, but regardless of the circumstances and atmosphere that 
old Matty Ice had to deal with this last weekend. I think that he took a huge step for himself. Um, just regardless of winning it or not, just staying in the top two of the Heisman candidacy because, I mean, you go to Neyland and you put on a performance. Both of his wide out, his starting wideouts were banged up. I mean, you could tell by how many passes we were dropping that they were a little scared to get hit. And, you know, he, he puts the team on his back and he does his thing, and it was really fun to watch. That's, I mean, and yeah, I, I don't like Tennessee at all, but they're a lot better football team than I thought they were going to be. So that, I mean, that's a that's a good win uh, for Ole Miss. And um, if I'm a Heisman, if I'm a Heisman voter, voter, I'm I'm taking Matt Corral. I mean, he's having a hell of a year. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, he was the leading rusher in that game against yeah. Tennessee last week with 195 yards. I mean, so he's, he's, he's slinging it. He can run a little bit. And they're winning football games. I mean, besides Alabama, but that was just a fiasco. But, I mean, if, I think he, he's the front runner for the Heisman, in my opinion, if they keep winning and he can stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Week seven, I'm not even saying this because Matt Corral, which I will openly say him and – well, one, Vegas has him as the number one. Him and Bryce Young are tied right now, plus 175. Uh, college Heisman is so weird, man, because you got people like mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker. Uh, you just – Bijan out of Texas running back for Texas. Yeah, Robinson, that's another yeah. great example. Uh, they're just – you know, there's so many that are – they play different schedules. They play a different position. They – so-and-so, you know, say Matt Corral doesn't play against LSU – well, Corral had missed this game, this and that. So there's so much stuff that goes into it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Week seven Heisman's about like us trying to figure out week seven playoff picture. But yeah, Corral. I mean, it was it was incredible. He had an incredible game. He had an incredible stat line. Uh, as far as Tennessee, back to Tennessee, you know they got to be hoping and praying Hooker's all right. Uh, yeah, he, he changes that team completely, almost like an Oklahoma quarterback situation that the fans wanted him after they got a glimpse of him. So, I don't know. I know they're uh, I know they're praying that he can get back right. But that's all the college football we got. Uh, as always, stay tuned to the Twitter. Uh, we do got a little App State action tomorrow night. We'll tweet that one off the card. But college football card will be released Thursday, as always. Uh, not the best week, not the worst week last week. Two weeks ago, we didn't get to see y'all 12 and 8. Uh, I think this week was like 11 and 11 ish, right around 500. Just a, just a continuing to be a shitty, wild, wild year in college football. Really hard to predict, but we'll get them picks out for y'all and follow the Twitter. Give us some likes, retweet, share the episode, share any sip with the dude stuff you see. And as always, we appreciate the support and shout out, uh, Shout out Z for being the guest. Really enjoyed it, brother. Yeah, man, had a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just want to say great first guest. Uh, Can't wait to do this more. Z, as always, I appreciate you. Um, Dirty Birds still suck, though. You already know. Yeah, we do suck. Yeah, it's all right. Saints ain't great. Zia, Zia was such a great guest, though. We might, we may not get any more guests. It might be intimidating. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We're definitely going to have you back, though, Z. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, man. for sure, man. For sure. I look forward to some call in deals.
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone called in here with some bullshit, and I'm snapping. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we enjoyed it, man. Y'all share it. Uh, keep supporting. We appreciate y'all. Yep. Z, any last words? I'm uh, appreciate it again for having me on. Had a good time talking some sports. All right. That's us signing off.